right, people. This is Dr. Zom. And, um... I just thought I would do a little impromptu show, uh, considering that it was about, I don't know, two weeks ago or something like that. I posted that I was recording and then ended up having some technical difficulties, as they say in the uh, biz. Um, Just had some things on the computer. I think what it was, um, I left... I, I. don't use my desktop for anything except uh, recording the show. And so after listen, sitting here listening to it, the, the fan just whirling, whirring on and off, which I don't know if you can hear it like now, um, I just thought, you know what? I'm not using this thing. Why not just, I'm just going to turn the power off. And then when I need it, I'll power it back up. Well, the problem with that is, is that um, it's, windows and windows pushes out uh updates like every wednesday or whatever uh i don't know if it's once a month or if it's every wednesday or whatever uh and then if there's any kind of security issues or whatever even soon or you know more than that and so when you leave it off for you know a month or a couple of weeks or whatever um there's all these updates that have to install. And when I logged back in, none of my security would come up, firewall or anything. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with this goddamn thing? Because I don't want to, you know, be out there running, you know, the, the thing wide open, uh, you know, with the doors open and the windows. So uh, what I found was, and and I kept, th- you know, it kept throwing up these errors and everything. And... um what I found was is that after a while it was just that I had a whole shitload of fucking updates that had to be put on before it would let me start doing anything. And so once I got all that taken care of and got all that up and and running, got the ball bouncing, uh, everything looked fine. Everything's running fine and everything. So now I have, oh my God, I don't know how many lines there are on a piece of notebook paper. <laughs> But I have like two columns of fucking movies and shit to talk about. And so, uh, you know, I get the obligatory. Anytime something like this happens and I haven't recorded in a while, I give the uh, obligatory, you know, some of the fucking remember some of these movies in great detail because it was so long ago. But, you know, I like to mention them if it was something that I thought was good or something that was average or something, you know, for you guys to stay away from if, you know, if you haven't seen it. You know what I'm saying? And... Uh, the other day, I haven't listened to the show. Everyone, you know, we, usually when we put out a new show, I'll start listening to it a little bit. And I was driving to work, and I just noticed that I think it's because of the really cheapy-ass Walmart headphone uh, microphone thing that I had um, that there was a lot of, you know, just kind of a muffled or a humming or something like that. And I just thought, I was like, God, man, that just, just, that sounds bad. I mean, I guess if you're a uh, regular or a loyal listener, you know, maybe you're used to that or you overlook it or, or something. So I decided to, to uh, purchase a little bit better mic, um, uh, more professional, <laughs> you know, mic, microphone setup with all the filter thingies on it to, you know, so when I smack my lips or cough and all that shit. And it's got a nice big fucking clamp on it and an arm with a spring and and all this crap. So 
I they actually look like uh, I'm in a uh, I have a studio microphone now. Plus, not only that, uh, I don't have to sit here and bitch and complain throughout the entire show that the fucking uh, uh, headphones are making my fucking ears hurt and pushing my glasses or whatever, which I do that all the time too. So I don't know if it's going to sound any better or not. I I did a couple little test runs and did a little promo and things like that. And it I you know it usually sounds good on my end anyway. But then once it goes through all the process, you know, I, like I said, I think it's just that microphone. So hopefully this will be a little bit better. I always thought you know well fuck who gives a shit you know fucking microphone. But they're not that expensive now. I was listening to um, I think. Uh, Bill from outside the cinema was on uh, Talk Without Rhythm with El Goro. Uh, and, you know, he was talking about how, you know, when everybody first were starting out podcasting and there weren't that many people and all this net, that getting, you know, better equipment or good or better equipment, it was a lot more expensive. And now you can pick up some of this stuff like microphones and things like that relatively, you know, a good one. Uh, and it's not that expensive. Uh, so I went ahead and got one. I don't even know what the fuck brand it is or anything. I'm looking now, trying to look. The only thing, you know, you have to get used to um, um, having it up there, you know, in front of you. So that, but then trying to look at the screen. So I'm trying to put it off to the side just a little bit, um, so I can actually see what the fuck I'm talking about on my computer screen. So I'll get used to it. This is the first show with the new microphone. So if it sounds okay, you know, let me know. If it doesn't, you know, this is about as good as it's going to get. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get much better than this. Um, and then, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, okay, maybe is it time to to uh, close up shop on silver and gold and, you know, say, okay, we had some, we had a good run there and everything. But then I started, I actually did start getting, you know, some feedback, uh, uh, you know, people saying, you know, Hey, I listened to the show. The other, the thing you have to keep in mind is you put the fucking show out uh, with podcasting. People can listen to the fucking show. You know, it's not like they might listen to it when it first comes out. I had feedback from people that, uh, had just started listening to the show and they're listening to the fucking old shows that we did like goddamn I don't know how many years ago. So, uh, so you know, uh, it was cool to get some get some positive reaction and everything. And and like I said, you know, hell, I'm sitting here watching all these fucking movies and TV shows and and um, you know reading comics and books and all my shit and everything. So you know, uh, instead of uh, thinking about that, we'll just t- take it as. Uh, you know, taking a little, taking a little uh, siesta, and then you know, doing it as doing the show as you know it, it comes and goes. And like I said, the one thing that sucks uh, about the computer being a little bit whacked up or whatever is that um, I, I did watch a shitload of fucking movies, and I wanted to talk about them. But now I would say I have about two shows worth of fucking movies here to talk about. And some of them were, you know, a few weeks back. And it is, fuck, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I was thinking the other day how, you know, Loaf used to say that he couldn't remember shit. And I shit would just come to me like names and movies and what they were about and everything. And I'm starting to get a little bit. I'll be driving down the road and think, okay, now what was that actress's fucking name? And I don't know if it's because I'm distracted or, or, or like I said, just age catching up to you or whatever. But... I just feel like it's not as automatic as it used to be. So we'll just bear with me and we'll try and 
We'll try and give you a show. Yeah, show. He always runs while others walk. <laughs> I did watch some James Bond. They added like all the James Bond movies. I think, uh, I don't know if they're all in there, but there's a shitload of them on Netflix. So we will be getting to some James Bond uh, in this episode too. Um, as far as anything that's going on, we've just been getting this really fucking weird weather where it will warm up to like 60, mid 60s and it's really warm out. And then, you know, I go to sleep and it's, um, 26 degrees in the morning. And then I wake up and I'm like, Oh God, why is it so stuffy in here? I open the door and it's fucking 62 degrees out and then it'll plummet back down and we'll get snow and, and, uh, we had some really, really fucking uh, uh, bad rain and flooding, and I didn't get too much. Uh, I got uh, some water started coming up in the basement drains, but just a little bit. It came out about, eh, I'd say, maybe four or five feet, and then it <laughs> sucked back down. I didn't even see it. I just went down there, and there was just like this, this big wet spot there, and so... Uh, all that's, you know, worked out pretty good. I did get to go to the theater, um, I believe, uh, maybe a couple times, have some new stuff or newer stuff to rent, new stuff that just came out on Netflix. Like I said, went to the theater, uh, got my ass out Therefore, I mean, I wanted to go, uh, several times cause I had day off and I thought, you know what, I'm going to I want to get off my ass. Go to the theater, see something new. It'll be good to talk about on the show and everything. But then there was, I mean, there was a drought. I mean, it seemed like there was like a month where there was shit playing. Every time I would look, and I would even look at at some of the theaters that are, um, you know, I have one that maybe takes me 10 minutes to drive through and another one that maybe is a little, maybe, I'd say, it might take me 20 minutes to get there. And then there's a couple of big places that are a little bit further than that, but it takes something really good for me to drive up there. uh, But they have more theaters. So sometimes they'll show like some old stuff or they'll keep things around a little bit longer, or they'll show some, some movies that um, the smaller theaters, they won't get because they don't think that they'll sell or they're not as popular. I know I saw the other day when Captain Marvel, uh, my mustache is sopping with fucking some kind of tea. I ran out of my peppermint tea. And, um, so I had these tea bags in the, in the, uh, cabinet and I don't know what fucking flavor that is. I thought it was cinnamon, but I, it might be like apple cinnamon cause it has some kind of sweetness to it. Sweetness, baby. What's this shit here? I got this notes here. Um, I think I was at work one night and I was just on IMDB looking up a whole bunch of stuff and maybe it was um, things that we to suggest that we do on the show and it's been these notes have been under my uh, oops have been under my keyboard for god damn I don't know how long probably for a couple of years now and let me just read off what's okay one of them is uh, the only way home 1972. Striker from 1983. I think we reviewed that. Uh, Train to Kill, the No Mercy Man. That's what that one was called. Uh, okay, Steve Steve Zandor was. I know he was in Striker, so I think he was in the only the only way home too. I think that was the one he played the Green Beret in, and and, uh, and uh, maybe it had Bo Hopkins in it. 
I think all those may be Steve Zandor or Sandor uh, movies, those three. He was the guy in um, Ninth Configuration, the leader of the motorcycle gang that, uh, you know, was tormenting Stacy Keach or Colonel Kane in the bar. Uh, and uh, da, 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 he was in a whole bunch of other shit too. I, I kind of like him. He he's kind of reminds me of William Smith because he's like a big uh, kind of. I think he was maybe in bodybuilding too a little bit into that. Uh, but he has that kind of crazy look and crazy eyes. He played the villain in Mad Bull with Alex Karras, which was a wrestling movie, and he was kind of a um, gorgeous George kind of a character. He was actually a good guy, and Alex Karras' character, Mad Bull, was a villain. And they did a lot of, uh, they had a lot of stuff in that that was kind of based around things that had happened in wrestling. I believe, from what I remember, they shot it, uh, the wrestling scenes in the um, um, the Olympic uh, in Los Angeles because, like, Gene LaBelle, who is a... Um, a uh, famous stuntman. He's the one that supposedly uh, made Steven Seagal piss his, piss his pants. He, he uh, choked him out and supposedly Seagal pissed his pants and everything. And he trained, um, oh God, Ronda Rousey and Roddy Piper and all these people. Um, but he was in it because his family um, actually were the promoters uh, and his brother, his brother and his mom, his mom was Eileen Eaton. And his brother was uh, Mike LaBelle, and they ran the the whole promotion there. So, and then you had Jimmy Lennon, who was the ring announcer, uh, and then his son now does a lot of boxing ring announcing. He does, I think, maybe some wrestling ring announcing too. Um, but um, who else was in that? But anyway, they they there. I remember. I think that movie was maybe made for TV, um, but. Um, one of the things in the movie that took place was the that um it the like the movie uh target with uh Boris Karloff that um Peter Bogdanovich did my brain must be working pretty good um it sort of has that kind of a theme because actually in wrestling there's been a couple two or th- i mean maybe more than two or three different times but i know out in i think San Francisco maybe or Chicago uh, actually somebody up in the crowd started shooting like a real gun at the ring and hit like a couple of people. And I, I think Bobby Heenan might've been in the ring and he was like, he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here, you know? So they kind of had that kind of a deal where there was a guy, a weird, this weird guy that was kind of obsessed, uh, with, he hated fucking mad bull this, you know, and it, it even in mad bull, I mean, it was portrayed, that wrestling was, you know, predetermined and staged, but this guy was so into it and he was real weirdo, had real greasy hair and stuff. And he would sit at home like Travis Bickle and, you know, had all these guns and he would like look in the mirror and be like, Hey, mad bull, you know, and he wanted to kill mad bull. So he, I think if I remember correctly, I haven't seen it in a long time. He, he actually, I have it on VHS with a big clamshell down in, in the basement, but he, um, actually uh got up in is smuggled a rifle up into the balcony and like uh almost like Lawrence Harvey and um um the goddamn fuck <laughs> I was just bragging on myself um what the hell's the one with the uh, Frank Sinatra Lawrence Harvey 
uh why don't you pass the time by playing some cards or whatever uh angela lansbury and it was called god damn man what the hell i even own that one um frank zinatra Lawrence harvey harvey Da, 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 dee, 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 Manchurian Candidate. Okay, as soon as I see it, you know, then I, you feel stupid. Um, but I was reading some stuff about Lawrence Harvey today, too, about when he got cancer and everything. And then somebody posted some pictures of Domino Harvey, his daughter, the one that they made the um, movie about that was a bounty hunter. And then she um, had been a model and then became a bounty hunter in real life and then got into drugs and stuff. That was a pretty good movie. It had Mickey Rourke in it. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, I was going on there about Mad Bull and all the wrestling and stuff. Steve Zandor. Okay, I had these notes. Um, the Queen Kills Seven Times. I don't know what that one is. I should have looked it up. But I just I just found that I would have. I actually prepared for the show a little bit. So, But the, I just pulled this. And then, of course, I pulled this out. And, uh, you know, I don't know what any of this stuff is. One of them is called Dirty Deeds. Full movie, Dirty Deeds. Uh, Shadow of the Dragon, William Smith, Zadar, and Donna Cherry. I wonder if she's related to Don Cherry, the hockey uh, coach and player. Um, the Devil and Leroy Bassett from 1973, and Private Road from 1971. So those are some. Maybe I'll um, try and find some of those for the next time. Um, I think some of these may be on YouTube. But like I said, I'll, I'll put I'll put this uh, little post-it back where I uh, had it and never look at it again. But I just thought I'd mention those. If any of you have seen them and you think they're good or whatever and you want to say, hey, yeah, dude, check that one out or check this one out. If you can remember what I just said. Uh, <laughs> okay. Now, again, um, we're going to get into some of the shit that's from like about three or four weeks ago. So uh, some of these I'll cruise through because I'm not going to remember that much about them. Um, one of them is uh, Safari from 1956. You can find this one on YouTube for free. It was directed by Terrence Young. And I believe he directed, didn't he direct some of the James Bond movies? Terrence Young? Terrence, Terrence Young, director what did Terrence Young direct? He directed Dr. No, uh, From Russia with Love, Thunderball, uh, Red Sun with Charles Bronson. Yeah, he's been around. Oh, round, round, get around, I get around, yeah. Get around, round, round, I get around. I get around on the time. Whatever. Uh... <laughs> I well actually when I was looking the reason I said you know James Bond right off is I watched some James Bond movies and I was looking him up and read some stuff about him I wanted to do a little bit more research on Terrence Young um to um find out some more actually about him and some of the other movies that he cuz you know you know the James Bond movies pretty well and Red Sun of course uh did he do, do what else did he do Terrence Young, Four Feathers. I know. I didn't. I don't think if I. I don't think I saw the original of that one. They made a remake of it, that I think maybe had Heath Ledger, or am I thinking about something else? 
Uh, Christopher Lee, Young's first sole credit as a director. Um, also, Christopher Lee's film debut was Corridor of Mirrors. What the fuck's that about, dude? That sounds pretty good if it's got Christopher, first, Christopher Lee's first movie. Uh, 1948, based on a novel by Christopher Massey. It is not, I started doing that Sean Connery, and then I want to talk like that the whole fucking time. <laughs> it's notable as being both Terrence Young and Christopher Lee's first movie. And then by the time my fat gut starts getting bloated, I sound more like um, uh, Jerry Butler, who also uh, talks like he's Scottish. Uh, they have the lip thing, you know. The, I don't know. It's like they're talking with pursed lips. <laughs> oh, what a roll. Woo! Um, Stuart Granger. All right, stop it. Stop it! Okay. Well, let's get back. Terrence Young, I'll uh, look up some more of his stuff. Maybe do some uh, Terrence Young movies other than the ones I'm doing this week of the James Bond variety. I did not watch Red Sun, but um, I would like to watch that again. That's a good movie. Uh, and I would love to... I found a... Um, if any of you follow the Sylvan Gold group, you will you may have seen this. You may not. <clears throat> but... One thing you might want to look up is uh, I watch a lot of the old Dick Cavett uh, talk shows because, you know, today's talk shows, um, they'll have three or three or four different networks uh, with talk shows on 1130 and then 1230. And and they'll if somebody has a movie coming out, you can follow them. They'll do Jimmy Fallon and then they'll do kill kill Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Conan. Um, whoever else, uh, James Corden, um, I'm trying to think of us, but they'll, they'll go from one talk show to the next and they'll show the same clip and they'll talk about the exact same thing. And, uh, and like Jimmy Fallon, he gets like stars on there. I, I know that his show is based more towards a younger crowd, but it's almost like a fucking Nickelodeon show or something. He gets like, he'll get like George Clooney or Julia Roberts or, uh, you know, somebody on there and I'm playing like some stupid game that if uh, you don't uh, fucking get the question right, the other one gets to fucking throw a pie in your face or bust a balloon over your head or down your pants or whatever. And I was thinking the other day, I'd like to see, you know, uh, him in the old days when you had either Johnny Carson or uh, um, Dick Cavett or whoever. Uh, and they would go on those shows and he would actually have a conversation with Dick Cavett. Definitely. And Tom Snyder, too, where they would actually, you know, talk about things and have a discussion and uh, have a conversation. Carson was a little bit more form formulaic where they would, you know, um, uh, before the show, they'd say, well, you know, you have some funny stories that that you can talk or or have uh, pre-prepared jokes or a little skit or something like that. But Jimmy Fallon, I could just see like, you know, uh, in modern day, like, you know, Gregory Peck going on Jimmy Fallon. And he says, hey, man, you know, <laughs> let's uh, let's play this game up here. Well, uh, if if you don't, uh, if like if you get the wrong answer, I, uh, we get to squirt each other in the crotch with a with a garden hose. And Gregory Peck's like like you know <laughs> greg peck uh you know he's he, i could just see him yeah giving a look and you know like uh son <laughs> i don't think that um i want to do this show anymore i can't get into gregory peck unless you know you're thinking about greg 
Peck. That um, great white whale that you're talking. I can't. I'm, now I'm fucking Sean Connery, and I can't break out of it and get into Gregory Peck, because um, Greg Peck, a um, more. Okay, let me think of a, a Gregory Peck. Um, you think that you think that it's easy being in charge and. Uh, now I want to start the show over because this is horrible. I can't fucking do it. So the impressions are going down the tubes because Sean Connery has fucking inhabited my body. I was driving to Walmart the other day doing Gregory Peck the whole fucking way, and I was into it because Gregory Peck would always – he doesn't speak. He speaks because he was a stage actor. He speaks all the time. Like he's still on stage and he's, you know, enunciating and projecting to the back of the crowd and, you know, the audience or me. But fuck Gregory Peck. He screwed me up. But you know one thing? Gregory Peck always fuck, freaked me out because when he got older, I wanted him to get rid of that mustache. Because, you know, you want the old, handsome, thin, young star Gregory Peck. But then, you know, he got old like everybody else and his hair got a little bit longer and he got gray. And then he had kind of a bushy mustache. And that's one thing that I was going to propose on the group was actors that tried to adopt the mustache or did adopt the mustache, but you didn't like it. And I'm I'm trying to think of some other ones. Okay, like Sean Connery. Um, He... Uh, for years and years and years as James Bond or in Marnie or whatever movies he was in, he didn't have a mustache. But off the, off the screen, he would have a mustache. And then he grew the goatee and like um, um, Robin and Marion, uh, The Hill, he had a mustache. Then when he wanted to play, it was almost like Nick Nolte in um, um, Q&A. When Sean Connery, uh, uh, in the uh, the offense, uh, you know, I see the parallel there because he goes from playing James Bond and then he's playing this fucking brutal, mean ass, uh, jaded, uh, like I said, like a brute of a policeman in the offense, and he's got this big bushy mustache. And I read somewhere where they were talking about that, um, like uh, the movie with. Um, Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt, um, where Brad Pitt was the IRA guy and, and Harrison Ford was a cop. Uh, and the same with like Ford Apache, the Bronx and some of those movies, uh, Prince of the city, the, the, the beat cop, you know, like, uh, uh, was it, uh, Malone in uh, The Untouchables. Well, then you just fulfill the first rule of law enforcement. Make sure that when your shift is over, you'll go home alive. They called the cops in New York hairbags because at one time in like the 70s, uh, I think before that, they made them all, it's like the army, they made them all have short hair, they made them all have uh, you know, clean shaven, no sideburns, no mustache and everything. And then in the 70s, when longer hair came more into fashion and people were growing mustaches, even even the, the, the straights, you know, I remember my dad always had real short hair. And then, you know, in the 70s and stuff, he fucking, you know, had he fucking even got like a perm and he had a fucking mustache and big sideburns mutton chops and everything well they started letting the cops in new york um grow out their hair and everything so you had like sipowitz from uh uh nypd blue and things like that or even serpico um they started letting them grow their mustaches and they they were known they called them hair bags so anyway 
Uh, Gregory Peck growing the mustache. I'm trying to think who else. I think uh, Rock Hudson definitely grew a, a mustache because he never had one in movies. And then when uh, he started getting older in the 70s, he grew a mustache. And and I think a lot of the movies he had, like uh, the um, the uh, not the Unforgiven, the Undefeated with John Wayne. Uh, he had a mustache, and then when he was on the TV show Macmillan and Wife, he always had the mustache. So it was kind of like they, it was a fashion thing. Uh, George Lazenby, you know, he when he played James Bond, he didn't have a mustache. But then when you see him in um, Man from Hong Kong, or you know, the, the the many other movies that he was in, or off the set when you would see him, he wanted he always wore his hair long because he was kind of a. Uh, for the time, it would be like if somebody was a hipster now. Uh, he was in, he was hip, and when you were hip, not not exactly a hippie, but a lot of the you know the, even the straighter people uh, would start adopting like the wearing a dashiki or you know their hair long. Lawrence Harvey was kind of the same way. You see him in the Alamo and and uh, um, the movie um, Walk on the Wild Side with Jane Fonda and Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, and Capuchin, um, he always had his hair kind of more like a sort of like a ducktail, the brill cream kind of a look from the 50s where they kind of had it slicked back a little bit. But then when he started getting older and he you would see him in, on like Columbo and some of these other movies, he would have his hair long and have like kind of like a, a goatee or a beard and it looked like shit. <laughs> But anyway, uh, Safari from 1956, uh, this uh, was directed by Terrence Young, and um, it stars Victor Mature and Janet Leigh, and um, this is uh, during the Mau Mau uprising in British Kenya, Kenya. Uh, in the 1950s, uh, settler hunter Ken Dufield is a hired guide uh, for a lion hunting party. Okay, this is bringing it back to me. Um, Victor Mature is a white hunter. Uh, he's very famous and everything. And uh, during the Mau Mau uprising, um, it was basically like, uh, you know, South Africa where they want to run out the uh, European farmers and take the the land back that uh, they think belongs to the native uh, citizens and everything. And Victor Mature's family, there's a, there's a rich guy that specifically requests Victor Mature to be his white hunter uh, because he's a, he's known to be a great hunter. Hang on one second. And, uh, he, the guy that hires him, um, uh, has his woman with him, his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. I think it's his girlfriend, uh, who's Janet Lee. And, um, before they go on the hunt, Victor matures entire family. And this happens early, so I'm not giving anything away. Something happens to them, which leads him to want to go on the hunt for another reason. Uh, he has ulterior motives. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. I like Victor Maturi. I mean, he's one of those uh, 40s and 50s actors that was, you know, after that time, uh, after the early 60s, he pretty much uh, was uh, kind of a dinosaur. But you had some guys like, you know, Kirk Douglas and Lancaster that carried on, but. Like I said, he's kind of a matinee idol kind of a guy. But I recommend this one. This one's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Uh, it's pretty good. Got some action in it. Um, a lot of safari. Well, it's called safari. But, you know, a lot of that, um, you know, locale stuff in Africa. Sweating and <laughs> and a lot of savages. <laughs> okay. Uh, I watched um, 2018's The Girl in the Spider's Web. 
this was directed by, I don't know how to pronounce the first name. Is it uh, Fede? Uh, F-E-D-E Alvarez. I know how to pronounce that. And uh, this was based on the Stieg Larsson uh, character, Lisbeth Salander, and... Um, Oh, Mikael Blomqvist, uh, the two main characters from the other Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books and movies. Uh, this was not written by Stieg Larsson because he wrote the first three and then he died. So this was written by David uh, Langerkrantz. And it stars, stars uh, Claire Foy, uh, Bo Gadsdon. <laughs> Bogad's Don. Um, let's see. Sevier uh, Nason, And he played Bjorn Borg in Borg McEnroe. That's where I recognized him from. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, cool. You know, because I thought he was really good in that, playing Bjorn Borg. I mean, it was like you were watching fucking Bjorn Borg. Uh, Claire Foy, I hadn't seen her in anything else. Um she was, I think, on a miniseries, uh, but I'm not really 100% up on her. Was it called? The, not, she played like the Queen, or the Crown. Uh, she played Queen Elizabeth II. She was also in First Man with Ryan Gosling, which I recommend, uh, um, where Ryan Gosling plays Neil Armstrong. I thought that was a really good movie. Um, very intense. And it really, you know, uh, put me or made it really made you think about how much the guys that were that piloted and that went into outer space and went to the moon and stuff like that, the things that they had to go through and, um, you know, the level of intelligence that it took. And not only that, but fucking guts and courage you know same thing i guess but um what else was claire foy in uh the newest thing uh is saturday night live cut for time <laughs> okay she she played aunt pinky <laughs> okay so anyway first man and the girl with the uh, sp- uh girl in the spider's web so i actually have seen her in a couple of things and i thought she was pretty good my scan completed and i it's awesome i have no threats were detected that's always good uh, so let's get back to this movie, uh, Girl in the Spider's Web. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I heard a lot of people have kind of, uh, sh- I don't know if I would say shit on it. It's not like they said it was horrible, but uh, that uh, it definitely doesn't match up to um, the other movies uh, or the books. Um, and that it was kind of the guy kind of wrote it almost like a James Bond kind of a movie where there's these, uh, you know, assassins and criminal villain masterminds and stuff like that. But I thought it was entertaining. I can see their point there, uh, but I did think it was entertaining. I wish we would have gotten a little bit more into one of the things that I, I enjoyed about the other ones is with all the shit that's going on and that goes on the action stuff and the and the nasty bad stuff uh the relationship between Lisbeth and Mikael Blumkist uh are is, is the main thing that I'm the most interested in and that really holds me and makes me I'm interested in that relationship and I wish they would have carried on with that a little bit more they do but it's not it's mostly you know her kicking ass and you know taking on the bad guys but it's it's worth a watch um I watched a private war from 2018 Directed by Matthew Heinemann. 
uh, and it stars Roseman Pike, Greg Wise, and Alexandra Moon. I like Roseman Pike. Uh, just about everything I've seen her in, she's, for the most part, I'm trying to think of anything I've seen her in that she was bad in. But I always think that she's really good. And um, didn't know that much about this story. Uh, one of the most celebrated war correspondents of our time, uh, Marie Colvin, um, she is one of these um she if you watched uh, salvador or um I'm trying to think of other movies where uh the nick nolte movie uh with gene hackman anything where it's a it's a photojournalist or a journalist going into harm's way the the the, the one with richard gear the hunting party uh where they went to um you know yugoslavia when the war was going on over there with the serbs and uh, the Muslims and the Christians, you know, whatever. And um, um, this is a real life person, Marie Colvin, and uh, it was really interesting. And and um, uh, just the thing that I got out of it more than anything, I know some people said that they didn't like it because they thought it was like uh, um, kind of a propaganda thing, like waving the flag and everything. And I didn't get that at all. I got most of what I got out of this movie was uh the toll it takes uh the some of these people that are war journalists like this uh that go and put themselves in harm's way uh because they have a passion number one i think uh, some of them are it becomes like an adrenaline kind of a thing like an adrenaline junkie kind of a thing uh and being you know kind of you know badass and doing this but not only that but when you're seeing people get murdered and killed and blown to pieces and you want to try and help them but the one thing that I got out of it more than anything was the like just exactly like you know soldiers in combat when they come back to uh, and this may be another reason why they keep going back. Another one is uh, Machine Gun Preacher with Gerard Butler. Uh, you go over there and you get involved in these people's lives, and you're seeing people that you have talked to or that you get to know and that you become friends with or whatever. And uh, it's hard to come back to America or wherever you live and just live your life. You know, oh, drive the street, go to Walmart, you know, go get something to eat, you know, hang out, watch TV. And you have no problems other than, you know, everybody has their little problems, but you don't have genocide problems. You don't have forced rape. You don't have mutilation. You don't have, you know, uh, worrying about all that kind of stuff, famine and things like that. And you want to go back and help your friends or tell their story or see if they're okay and everything. And the one thing that I got out of this movie was the um, the post-traumatic stress uh, that these people go through. And it told that story rather well, whether it's coming back here and, you know, uh, dealing with uh, alcoholism or drug addiction to deal with all the shit that's floating around in your head. And like they say, you know, you go over there and you see this stuff and you go th not only the stuff that you see, but just the extreme stress it changes something inside your brain and maybe your um uh the your the chemical reaction in your body and everything where you know you can't sleep and you see the things in the movies where you know guys they're at a parade and somebody sets off firecrackers and these vets will almost hit the dirt you know and and uh and they wake up i had uh my ex-girlfriend's stepdad he was in vietnam and he said he would wake up and his he didn't tell me this his wife, her mother, told me this, that he would wake up in the middle of the night cause, and he would smell that napalm and smell something burning, like it would go and burn these villages and stuff or, you know, where they had dropped napalm and he thought the house was on fire or that somebody was breaking in the house and it was because... And this was many years later. I mean, at the time, I would say he was... 
I don't know if he was in his 40s or I'm trying to think how old they were. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But I thought this was a really good movie. I thought she did a really good job. I thought everybody did a, you know, did a good job in it. Uh, I would I would recommend it if you will, Daddy O. Uh, Tom Hollander is in this. He played an asshole in Hannah, a real super duper asshole. <laughs> he was really good. Um, let's scoot along here, or we're never going to get done. How much time am I into this fucker already? <laughs> Forty minutes. And I'm, I haven't scratched the surface. Okay, this was a requested movie for me to watch, and I watched it, and I liked it. Uh, 2017's Oh Lucy. Uh, directed by uh, At- Atsuko Hirayanagi. Atsuko Hirayanagi. Uh, based on a short film. Uh, and it stars um, Shinobu uh, Tarajima, Josh Hartnett, and Kaho Minami. Minami. Um, a lonely woman living in Tokyo decides to take an English class. Uh, where she discovers her alter ego, Lucy. Okay, uh, I thought this was really good. Um, generally, you know, nobody really recommends shit to us. I know that I think Bill and Mr. Chris or whoever, when we first started, recommended some challenging movies, uh, whether it was Quarrel or, um, oh, what was the other one? But they, But they were more kind of strange, weird or um well, I'm trying to think what that one was we I don't know if it was one we did with Quarrel it was a uh, it was a Japanese movie I believe and it had the real weird shit it was in black and white and the guy ah, god I can't I I can't even picture it I cannot remember what that was called uh, it had all kinds of techno stuff in it, like where he was like uh, becoming half cyborg. And um, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, iron or metal something. <laughs> God damn it. I'll never remember it now. Anyway, I'm going to move on from there. Let's talk about Oh Lucy. Um, I like this movie. Um, you have a, a lady that, you know, lives in Japan she has a job. She's going through the mundane every day, you know, shit uh, at work. She's, you know, kind of quiet and does her job, but she's just kind of, it's almost like office space where you have the people that get on your nerves and stuff, but you bite your tongue and don't say anything. And she does go and learn um, English. Her sister, um, she well, she's really lonely. She doesn't have anybody. And, um, she goes and I thought the whole thing was going to take place in Japan. Um, and she goes to learn English. And when she goes to learn English, she, uh, Josh Hartnett is there and he is teaching English. And it's kind of funny how they, you know, the little, they, like, it's like when we had French class in, in high school and they said, you're not John anymore. You are, uh, what was my name? Oh, I just remember one guy was Guy Pompidou or something like that. But mine was something else. Um, I can't even remember now. Um, I wanted to say Franco, but it wasn't. That would be cool. That'd be like Franco Nero. But anyway. Um, eh, whatever. Now that's stuck in my head. 
Um, so she goes there and she likes Josh Hartnett and he's really nice. And his big thing, like when he come in is like that he's big on hugging and everything and he's younger. And so she kind of starts getting a little bit of a, of a, um, a crush on him. And she also meets another, uh, Japanese man and he's also learning. So, you know, and that's kind of a little thing. And then Josh Hartnett, the next, uh, after uh, several times that she goes and she starts developing this crush and looking forward to seeing Josh Hartnett and everything, she goes to see him and he's not there anymore. He left and he went to America. And there is a tie-in with her niece and everything. And um, so she ends up saying, fuck it, basically. And, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go find him and find my niece and everything. So she goes to America and her sister goes with her and her and her sister kind of have a, uh, uh, I wouldn't say a bad relationship, but they fight and stuff. It was just kind of funny, but it's the whole story of her and her going to America and everything. And it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I do recommend it. I don't want to tell you any more about it. Uh, like I said, the, the stuff that I just told you takes place in probably the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And then it goes on from there. But I really liked it. I thought it was excellent. Excellent recommendation. Let's move on. Josh Harden was good in that. And I, the only thing, well, I shouldn't say the only thing I've seen him in that I liked him in was Penny Dreadful. But I, I was not a fan of his because I thought he was one of these guys that... Oh, and um, Red uh, Black Hawk Down, I thought he was good in that. Um, but I always thought he was one of these guys that they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And he would never get like a big hit, uh, like the Black Dahlia. And, the, you know, he, he, was, he was in these movies, kind of like Gerard Butler. But I, I like Gerard Butler, but he just doesn't get really good movies that become big hits. And I liked him in Penny Dreadful. Josh Hartnett. Uh, Next thing I watched was 2018's Mile 22. Now, I wasn't sure I was going to watch this because I don't like Mark Wahlberg. And you guys know that I don't like Mark Wahlberg. But I thought, you know, hey, this is a fucking action movie. Again, I'll be open-minded. I've seen him in some stuff that I liked. Uh, Boogie Nights and... um, uh, (laughs) That's about it. No. Um, But... um, I thought I would give this a shot. How can you go wrong with a fucking, you know, kick-ass action movie where people are fucking karate in each other and shooting a lot and badass cops going against badass villains and everything. <clears throat> now I'm starting to get the little t- tickle in my throat. Everybody around here is getting sick too. Uh, a friend of mine at work has the uh, respiratory infection that I believe that I fucking had when I was down and thought I was going to die like last year. And uh, I've got about three or four people at work that have missed, like, multiple days. Um, this was directed by Peter Berg. It stars Mark Wahlberg, Lauren Kohan, Iko Uwaz, <laughs> John Malkovich. Who else is in this? Ronda Rousey. I know her. Okay. Um, I will say this. Mark Wahlberg got on my fucking nerves the the movie was okay uh like i said you know it's action just shooting fucking lots of automatic gunfire and fighting and and uh chasing and all that shit uh and badass criminals who do mean badass things and they have to stop them and all this uh but mark Wahlberg is kind of i don't i wouldn't say an idiot savant but he definitely is on the spectrum of one of these people that um, his brain is not as not as bad as like um, 
Ben Affleck in The Accountant, but he has this thing where his mind just goes like 100 miles an hour and he's really intense and boy, he's showing how intense he is and everything. And it's like, dude, Jesus fucking Christ, give me a break with your big fucking giant uh, brow. And I don't know. It wasn't bad. It's worth a watch and it's exciting. And that's the only part. And I'm not just busting Mark Wahlberg's ass because... You know, I've I've went on rants about him a bunch of times. Number one, if you can't grow any better fucking mustache or facial hair than that, then don't fucking grow it. You look stupid. I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and he's, he looks like fucking Christopher Lee playing Fu Manchu. He can't grow a fucking mustache. It just grows from, like, the fucking corners of his mouth down to his chin. He can't grow fucking hair on the side of his face. He looks like a goddamn, like, a little kid, like a 12-year-old boy that doesn't want to shave because he wants to have facial hair, and it looks like shit, and it's patchy. Like some Somebody put super, or not even super glue, but like Elmer's glue got a little bit on his face and he was shaving his pubic hair and he got a little bit on his hands and then he got stuck to his cheeks. Just like patchy. Stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, I watched China Doll from 1958. This is another Victor Mature movie uh, directed by Frank Borzong or Borzage. Um, this is Victor Mature. Uh, Lee Hua Lee and Ward Bond. Uh, let me think. Let me refresh my memory on this one. This one you can watch on YouTube for free. An American pilot, Cliff, Cliff Brandon, fighting the Japanese in China, uh, finds himself uh, the unintentional owner of a Chinese housekeeper. Uh, he. This is one of those old school movies. You know, um, he's not one of the fighting tigers. I think, if I remember correctly, he flies more like a. I don't know if it's a bomber or if it's a um, um, like a supply plane or something. But it was it was back before World War II when we when we were uh, working at almost like Air America in Vietnam. We had American soldiers and pilot or American pilots over there flying to supply um, you know the Chinese troops as they were fighting the Japanese. Uh, Greg Pappy Boyington of uh, the Black Sheep Squadron was one of the Flying Tigers over there. And then there was the movie Flying Tigers with John Wayne. You'll see some stuff about that with him and Robert Ryan. Um, And he has like um, this little boy that follows him around who is kind of like, uh, what the hell was that douchebag's name in uh, that second Indiana Jones movie? Was it Short Round? I can't remember. Somebody, there was a movie where there was a little uh, Japanese sidekick kid named short round i think that may have been the indiana jones movie temple of doom which i thought you know i don't know had too many bugs and gross weird shit in it kate capshaw was hot um not my favorite indiana jones movie i would go number one then the one with sean gone that uh the last one was a fucking total piece of shit with uh uh steven spielberg's uh either son or lover uh what's his name shy ladouche Shia LaDouche has been in some good stuff lately, so I can't talk as much shit on him as I used to. I liked him in um, Furry, <laughs> the tank movie Furry. Uh, <laughs> but this one's pretty good. Um, it, it's one of those ones that uh, he ends up, uh, again, either winning or inheriting a a woman, a uh, Japanese woman, uh, uh, or Chinese, I'm sorry, because they're not Japanese, he's fighting for the Chinese uh, and she becomes like his housekeeper. And of course he's now, if it was anybody else, cause she's good looking. 
you know, you'd be like, you know, fuck yeah, you know. But he's like, I don't want you here. You need to get out of here. Go away. I don't need a housemaid. I don't need this. I don't need that. And, you know, basically she starts liking him and he's still trying to, you know. But who the fuck would do that if you're a man, a heterosexual man with a penis? It's not like I'm saying you have to, like, uh, uh, deal with, uh, you know, fucking some kind of indentured servitude or slavery or something like that. But Jesus Christ, okay, you're over there. Uh, 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 no, it's much better that these guys go to... Who the fuck is this? Okay, my mom. <laughs> it's much better that they go to these uh, fucking bars over there like uh, uh, fucking um, Holman and um, Sand Pebbles, Steve McQueen, all him and his buddies go to these bars and... and uh, Go, go find the Chinese dance hall girls and they weren't dance hall girls. They were prostitutes. So, you know, he's got a nice girl. Yeah. Take her in, treat her nice. They don't have any food. They were, they were like the people. That's what the guy said. He goes, you're helping her out. He goes, you know, the, the, they're fucking, they don't have that much food and everything. At least you take her in. She'll take care of your, your hooch and, uh, keep it clean. Everything. Keep your uniform pressed and all this stuff. Another one was, um, that bright shining lie with, uh, with uh, Bill Paxton um, uh, as John Paul Van in Vietnam, you know, uh, of course he ended up screwing them and everything. And, and these guys did too, but, um, and a lot of them bring them home, you know, and marry them and everything. Uh, but you know, that's what the guy said. He goes, you know, Jesus Christ, you, you're sending her back there where they don't hardly have anything to eat. At least if she's here with you, you're, you're actually helping her out and you and helping her family out too, you know? So anyway, China doll, it's pretty good. You know, it's like I said, one of those old school movies from the fifties, but it's, it's worth a watch. Um, I watched, uh, at eternity's gate from 2018 directed by, uh, Julian Schnabel. And, um, this was stars Willem, Willem Dafoe, Rupert Friend, Oscar Isaac. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays Vincent Van Gogh or Vincent Van Gogh, and uh, Oscar Isaac plays Paul Gauguin. Uh, this was pretty good. The only uh, I thought it was really good. I like the way it was shot. It's very you know artistic and everything. The way they shoot it. Um, Mads Mads Mikkelsen is also in this, so it's got a really nice cast. Um, <clears throat> the one thing. Uh, Rupert Friend is Theo Van Gogh. The one thing that is, it's not a distraction as much. Uh, if I start thinking about it, it is while I'm watching it. But, uh, you know, you see pictures of Vince, uh, the, the paintings of Vincent Van Gogh that he did of himself. And Willem Dafoe, they, he does look like him and everything. But Willem Dafoe is what? Like, is he, he I don't know if he's, he's 60. Willem Dafoe now is... It's not unusual to see me cry. Will I want to die? My voice cracked there. It didn't even crack. It just kind of did a, uh, 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 like a Grace Slick or something. Um, Willem Dafoe is 63 now. Now, um, Vincent Van Gogh, was he was like 30 or something when he died. So, I mean, Willem Dafoe is, he di- no, uh, Vincent Van Gogh died when he was 37 Willem Dafoe, 63, say, you know, give a year or two, they made the movie. So say he was in his early 60s. So he's too old to play the part, but he did a really good job. And I thought it was a really good movie. Fascinating. And it was um, also a fascinating look into uh, mental illness. Uh, so you'll like that. I think you'll, I think you guys would like it. Uh, let's move on. I recommend that one. Big dig it. I uh, watched uh, 2018's uh, Black 47. Uh, this was directed by Lance Daly, 
and uh, stars Hugo Weaving, James uh, Freckaville, or Freckaville, and Stephen Ray. Um, somebody had seen this on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema that brings class to trash since 1977. I was looking up some of the, uh, uh, you know, when, you, uh, when you're on Facebook, uh, these things come up and says, you know, this is a post you posted five years ago. This is a post you posted two years ago, four years ago, or whatever, or something that your friends did. And I went back into, I'm trying to think if I, I might have just did a search for Silva and Gold, the name Silva and Gold. And it brings up, uh, you know, of course, the group. And then it brings up pictures that have the name Silva and Gold mentioned in them. And Facebook has changed. And I think maybe we all have matured a little bit and grown up. <laughs> because when we first started Silva and Gold, uh, I know Gentleman's Guide at first, um, we would post funny stuff on there, but um, when we first started, our group was so bad that even close friends, even people that were close friends and that listened to the show and that talked to us every day would either not be members of the Sylvan Gold group or would put it so our shit wouldn't come up on their page and everything because... It was kind of like the Silva and Gold group was the group that you went to if you wanted to post anything. I mean, the grossest, weirdest. We we would laugh our asses off and posting this weird shit stuff with nudity and everything else. <laughs> and I'm not talking. Well, some of it was good nudity, but a lot of it was kind of like, ugh. and then just gross stuff, just stuff to try and make each other go, oh, you know. But then. I kind of came to the conclusion that uh, the group probably wasn't going to grow if we ran everybody off and people thought we were a bunch of, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, talking on the show and acting, you know, whatever. It's fine. But we were run literally running friends away from off. But when you now, the thing is now with Facebook, if you if there's any nudity or anything like that, I mean, they will fucking give you a, a three-day ban or a two-day ban or whatever, or they'll ban you for life. Um, and But the thing is, I had a thing pop up the other day that said um, uh, something about a post uh, that I had made. Um, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's the algorithm. There's an out. Al- it's not somebody turning anything in. It's an algorithm that looks for <clears throat> like nudity or something like that. And I, it said, is this post okay? Is this you that posted or whatever? Well, when I brought it up, there was nothing there. It was blank. Like it had been deleted already or something. <clears throat> but I looked at the date on the post and it was like 2013 or something, 2013, 2014. Well, when I got on the, you know, did the search for the silver and gold or gentleman's guide or whatever it was, and I and I just saw all the pictures that we had posted way back then. That was and and I, you know nothing wrong because like I said, people move on and people have lives and stuff. Plus, you know, getting doing the Facebook thing all the time. You know, people drift away. They're still doing their podcasts and stuff, but uh, the 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 really super close knit group. Uh, like I said, silver or um, gentleman's guide uh, was it a week or two ago just eclipsed six thousand members, um, 
And, you know, somebody was saying, you know, God, I remember when we had like a thousand and it was a lot more of a tight knit group back then. And we got to actually got together and at movie conventions or uh, for cookouts and stuff like that. Um, but we were, I was looking at some of those pictures and you know, there's some of them that I actually went back and I thought maybe I better delete the, the ones that I posted. I thought maybe I better delete this. Cause it would be like, actually have like fucking nudity, you know, like a chick with great big tits or something. So anyway, but a lot of them are still, they're just funny. You know, they're funny posts. And, uh, and I, I reposted a lot of them, you know, I just commented on them, which brought them all the way from 2014 up to the top of our page and stuff. And somebody was like, boy, we're really taking a trip back in time. Aren't we? Um, but somebody had recommended black 47, and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll give it a look. And I downloaded it on uh, iTunes. Um, it's a pretty good movie. It takes place during the Irish Famine, and basically, as a lot of people in the group said, it's a western. It's it's uh, um, during the you know potato famine in Ireland in forty seven, uh, nineteen forty seven. That's the forty seven uh, the day it mentioned in the title. Um, People are actually literally starving to death and the people that have money and the government, uh, you know, England and everything and the cops and everything and the army are just shitheads. And if you try and if you're literally starving to death, you're emaciated like a fucking concentration camp victim and you go and you kill an animal or whatever, they'll get you for poaching or or if you uh, try and steal food, I mean, they'll throw you in prison and beat the shit out of you or kill you, hang you or whatever. Uh, some bad shit goes down with this, uh, the main guy. What's his name in the movie? Uh, Feeney. And uh, Hugo Weaving is basically, he would be like Pat Garrett and Billy. It's almost like, not Pat Garrett and Billy Kid because these guys don't know each other. But it's sort of like that. Hugo Weaving is is a, um, a lawman or a military guy. And he's fallen out of favor and he's actually in prison because of the shit that's going on. But... Uh, something happens to Feeney's uh, family and he is a ranger, uh, which would be basically be like John Rambo, you know, coming back from Vietnam and he comes back home and he sees all these people starving to death and he sees all the shit that's going on. And then something actually happens to his uh, family and he seeks revenge. Uh, like I said, almost like John Rambo in uh, first blood. And then they go and get Hugo Weaving, who is like the best tracker, best manhunter, whatever. And they say, okay, well, we'll let you out of prison and we'll commute your sentence and everything if you help us find this fucker. Uh, it's pretty good. It's not great. I, I thought, you know, it's worth a watch. Um, better than average. But, you know, I didn't like, you know, again, jack off all over myself. Uh, but I thought it was good. Uh, Hugo Weaving, you know. Nice seeing him in some other stuff. Uh, the 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 main guy that plays Feeney, he's very stoic, very quiet. He is uh, a stone faced motherfucker. And the one thing that I liked about this movie is because of when it takes place and everything, uh, everybody has muskets, uh, flintlock, you know, muskets and everything. So that it's like um, I think Will or Sammy or whoever was talking about on Gentleman's Guide how nowadays cell phones take a lot of. Um, a lot of plot twists, it, it screws it up because you have to, if it's set in modern day, you have to take into account the ease of availability and ease of information via the internet through a cell phone or whatever you're just carrying around in your pocket 
and having a phone where, uh, say you're out somewhere, um, and in the old days, you know, it's like, oh my God, I, you know, I got to call the cops or what? I was watching a movie, um, the other day and the cops show up at these people's house and they're looking for him and the guy has a gun on the cops and he says, you know, well, um, um, they go out, the, the cops are standing there and they go on the porch and they go out and get in the fucking car and take off. And I'm like, well, fuck the cops are just, you know, going to call the, call the fucking, uh, other cops. Well, before he left, he pulled the phone line off the wall. It was the 1950s. He pulls the phone cord out of the wall and they have to drive like all the way back to town to fucking make a phone call. Whereas now, you know, they have a cell phone in their pocket. They could just call right immediately um, for help or whatever, even before they go up there. And that's the same way with this movie. The one thing that, that kind of adds to a lot of the stuff is, uh, they have these flintlock rifles and pistols and stuff, and they don't always go off (laughs) if it's damp or wet, or they don't load it right or whatever. Uh, you know, you're in a situation and the guy's got the fucking, uh, he's, he's got a, got the gun right in your face. You know, you're thinking all shit, but I ain't necessarily an all shit because the fucking thing might go, <laughs> you know, and then you're fucked. Um, but it's, it's worth a watch. Um, just don't jack off on yourself. Don't expect to jack off on yourself. I went to the theater. God damn it. I'm hungry. I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. So I'm cutting out a meal and so I can't, I'm not going to eat until probably close to noon. I had a little, um, I make, I make like a, I always tell people like I'm having a spinach wrap. Well, I'm not going to the store and get the spinach wrap. I have like this tortilla thing and I put it in a little uh, nonstick pan just to give it a little brown. And then I put a piece of uh, just a, a little slice of Swiss cheese on it. And then I take a big handful of baby spinach and put it on there and eat that. And I still am fat. So fuck it. <laughs> I'm not fat, but I just, you know, I like to lose. I like to like to like to slim down. Uh, especially since summertime's coming, get a, get a, get a, uh, rid of some of the winter uh, uh, blobby jiggle. Anyway, I watched. I went to the theater and I saw 2019's Glass uh, by M Night uh, Shyamalan, and this stars uh, James McAvoy, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I waited so long to go see this, and this was one of those times where I wanted to go to the theater. And there was absolutely nothing playing. And this was probably in the last days of when it was going to go away. And I thought, you know what? Fuck, I like the other ones. I should go see this uh, instead of waiting for it to come out on the big or on the uh, small screen uh, for download. And I got my ass in gear. I almost didn't go. And I, I literally was sitting in my chair. I'd been getting in the habit of coming home, fixing something to eat. I eat and then I sit in the chair and and watch TV until it's time to go to bed. And I'm like, you need to get off your fucking ass. I literally had to, because I didn't feel like, I just was like, Ugh. I just feel like I'm about ready to fall asleep. And I was like, the reason you feel like you're falling, going to fall asleep is you just fucking ate and you're getting so used to sitting here on your fucking ass. You need to get up and get moving, force yourself. Cause once you get up and get moving, you won't be tired. So I got in the car and drove over there and, um, this is one of those theaters that still shows, well, the time in the, um, on the internet, or I was going to say in the newspaper, but who the fuck reads the newspaper? Um, if it says it's going to start at this time, of course, you could get there half an hour later. They run the commercials and the, um, 
and the trailers first. Now, the one, the theater that's the closest to me, the times that they have on the internet for their theater, and it even says, are the times that the fucking movie starts. So if it says 11 o'clock, that fucker's starting at 11 o'clock. The other one, if it says 11 o'clock, you can get there at 1130, and then the movie is just starting. So that's the way this one was. I thought it was going to be late, and I was like, fuck, man, I guarantee you I will get there, and this fucking thing won't even have started. I walked in, and it just started. I thought this was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, it took me a little bit to remember. I remember, um, um, was it Unbreakable? Uh, I remember a lot about that one. The second one that had James McAvoy as the Beast, uh, I did not remember as much about that one. And so, but this movie uh, as a standalone, I think that you could probably watch this and um, still be okay if you hadn't seen the other ones. Of course, it does help that you did see the other ones. And the one thing when, when the movie started playing and they started getting into it, I started remembering more about both of the 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 two before it i thought it was really good i like i'm a comic book fan i read comics all the time right now i'm reading uh umbrella academy which i'll talk about the tv show here in just a little bit uh and also of course uh bp bprd hell on earth um well hell on earth is done uh but they're actually wrapping up the whole hellboy bprd uh thing i think mignola is is getting is finishing up not just mignola but um what's his name <laughs> but anyway um um they're wrapping that up i think they're still going to do hellboy the prequels uh they have like hellboy 1954 hellboy 1964 the different times hellboy 1956 they're all prequels but uh the the hellboy saga is going to be wrapped up in probably the next couple of issues. So I'm kind of sad about that. I am a big fan of BPRD, uh, Bureau of Par- Paramilitary Research and Defense. Uh, I love all those characters. I love, I've followed that fucking forever. Uh, I totally, totally, totally recommend everybody fucking reading that shit. If you are into um, like Cthulhu and that kind of stuff, uh, a lot of it is is uh, you know wrapped around that kind of uh, that kind of uh, fiction, those kind of monsters um, and uh, the occult and things like that. Uh, it's not sugar coated. People fucking, you know, you have main characters and it's like if you're in a war and people die, people die, you know. And um, but especially the hell on earth, uh, that's when shit goes down and the real deal, you know, everything's uh, you have these giant, giant fucking like Cthulhu like monsters and they're reproducing uh, and they can't keep up with, and they're trying to kill them and they're trying to figure out, you know, and it's just, it's, it's fucking Ragnarok, you know? And that's one thing like, um, in Marvel because Thor, you know, the whole thing about like, you know, Thor and Odin and all this stuff is, you know, uh, Ragnarok's going to happen and this and that they've done that so many times. It's like, well, fuck, you know, how many times can you do fucking Ragnarok? It's only supposed to be a one-time event. Well, in BPRD, it's fucking like the one-time deal, you know? Uh, but I think everybody, I, I implore people, I want other people to read it so we can talk about it. I talk about it with other people online, but you know, um, oh my God, people, I love you all. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus H. Christ. Uh, I'm getting hungry. It's hard to fucking concentrate. You know what I'm saying. You're my peeps. Uh, oh, man, my back. Okay. Dig it. Okay, Glass was good. I like... Uh, but the, the, the comic book kind of stuff that runs through it and the uh, mythology and how they're running that through the real world uh, and how they explain everything. I like it. Um, I assume that it's... Eh, you never know. Maybe they'll do some other ones. There's a possibility that they could. Uh, Bruno Gans passed away. Um, just wanted to mention that. Uh, big fan of his from, of course, Downfall, where he played Hitler in the bunker. Um, and uh, Wings of Desire. I love that movie. It's a beautiful movie. Um, of course, they remade it with Nicolas Cage, but this is just a masterpiece. And one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, The American Friend, with Dennis Hopper and Bruno Gans. Uh, Dennis Hopper playing Tom Ripley. Uh, it's just sad, you know. Um, it was one of those ones that kind of came out of the blue, but of course, you know, he was getting older. He was 77 years old, and... Uh, um, I do want to go. I do want to go back and watch some more of his work. Uh, he worked up until 2019, so I missed a lot. I have missed a lot. Um, so I definitely let me see if there's anything else here that I have seen. A Liam Neeson movie, Unknown. I think I saw that, but I, I'm not going to click on it to find out what that. Bob Botter Meinhof Complex. I like that. I did see that. Um, that was fucking good all the way through not just for bruno gans but uh what else we got here manchurian candidate that's the one with denzel washington and Lieb shriver um that was right before downfall made in the same year of course i love manchurian candidate with um frank sinatra and lawrence harvey but i remember seeing that one and they did a little bit of a different take on it uh where um Denzel is playing the Frank Sinatra role, but he is thought of as more of a crazy person. And they, they do a little bit of a different take, but I don't remember that as much about that one. I've seen the one with Frank Sinatra a million times. Uh, I do know that when uh, they were making uh, American Friend uh, that um, Dennis Hopper... I think uh, Bruno Gans got in Dennis Hopper's face about something, and Dennis Hopper grabbed him and fucking kind of karate'd him a little bit and fucking set him straight. And they said they got along after that. I think that, uh, you know, Hopper was a little, you know, if you know anything uh, other, you know, of course, the drugs and everything, but he was the kind of person that didn't take any shit on the set. And uh, as far as um, how he wanted to do things and and um i think that he was maybe being a little bit overbearing and bruno gans kind of said to him hey man i'm not going to put up with this shit and they sort of they sort of got into it a little bit and i apparently you know i did you know read because i'm a big fan of dennis hopper and read a lot about him that he did study some martial arts and karate and stuff like that and uh and he was the kind of guy that if uh you know, he's probably wound up on a little bit of speed, maybe a little bit of coke or whatever, and and uh, he would not take no shit, and he would grab you and fucking uh, maybe whack you. Uh, Bruno Gans was also in Boys from Brazil with Gregory Peck. Mr. Gregory Peck, who played um, Dr. Mengele. And, uh, of course, as soon as I start saying that, I go start uh, getting the Sean Connery mouth. 
again. Get out of my brain, Sean Connery. You fucking asshole. I love Sean Connery. And I know it's just a matter of time, knock wood. I hope that, uh, I know, yeah, it's like anything. Time goes on, but uh, Sean Connery has retired, and he's getting really up there in age. So um, I don't want to say the thing like Deadpool or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a matter of time, and uh, he's one of my favorite actors. I watched uh, 2018's The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. Uh, and then The Bigfoot, starring Sam Elliott, uh, Ron Livingston. Uh, this was directed by Robert D. Kriskowski. Um, if you if you read that title, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot, uh, of course you're going to think, uh, you know, what do you think, like a trauma movie or something like that or something that's uh, kind of uh, played for tongue-in-cheek. Um, I don't know. But if you actually watch the trailer... Uh, you see that it's a lot more than that. I thought this was really good. I thought it was really touching. Um, it definitely, um, speaks to about get, uh, getting old and regrets and things that you've done in your life and in the past and things like that. Uh, it is not a silly movie. It's a really good heartfelt movie it really will make you think, and Sam Elliott does a fucking excellent job in this. I thought he was fantastic. Who else is in this? Ron Livingston was really good. Uh, God, I'm trying to think. Who played Sam Elliott's brother? Calvin. Aiden Turner? Is that who? No, it was an older guy. It was a, a well-established actor, and I'm trying to think who it was. It's not right on the top of the list there. So, oh, uh, I think Larry Miller. Uh, yeah, Larry Miller, the kind of comedian, uh, kind of comedian. He he would love that. He had a podcast that was pretty good. He's been around for a long time as a comedian, and he's been you know Vegas and seen it all, and has stories about you know the old days and everything. Uh, he was on Law and Order several times, playing an asshole. Um, so let's give it. That's a big recommend. I recommend that one a lot. Now, uh, IMDb gave it a five point six. Not me. I would give it. It's up there for me. Um, I again, as I was just saying, I'm reading uh, some uh, Umbrella Academy comics. I bought an Umbrella Academy. Let me check and make sure I'm recording here. Yeah, it's recording. Um, I bought an Umbrella Academy. Uh, graphic novel or trade paperback i can't remember which one it was if it was a collection because i didn't know anything about it i got on uh, things from another world's website and got on the nick and dent thing where they you know if the cover's bent or if it's got a little tear or something like that they'll mark it down and i got this uh comic called umbrella academy and i read it and i thought it was really good i liked it but i didn't know anything about it well then on uh, netflix um it's a, a netflix original series uh, and it actually stars Ellen Page, uh, creator Jeremy Slater. It has, um, now this one fucker, I'm trying to think of who he was. I've seen him in other stuff, and I want to, I've been saying I wanted to see what else he was in. Uh, Black Sails, yeah, he plays uh, Billy Bones on Black Sails. That's where I knew him from. I did actually look it up, because I remember I was at work and saw, and he's really good in that. I mean, the fucker, he must be into CrossFit or something, because when he was in Black Sails, uh, he always has the sleeves of his shirt rolled up, and when he, he's always taking his shirt off, and he's just like ripped, uh, big fucking dude. 
Um, but I really like this. I love this uh, this fucking series. I did not want to watch the last episode or the last two episodes because I didn't want it to end. I liked it that much. Uh, one of my friends said that uh, uh, fucking Ellen Page. She plays. She just plays Ellen Page in every fucking movie. Ah, he's fucking cynical and kind of a you know whatever. Uh, Mary J. Blige is in this. She plays Cha Cha. Uh, who else is in this thing? Who plays uh, the monocle? Oh, what's his face? Um, God damn it. Let me find it. I love Pogo. Pogo is a chimp, a talking chimp who wears a suit and glasses. Uh, Hargreaves is Colm Fiore. He was in Chicago. He was in Thor. He was in Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick. I thought it was somebody else. Hell, I thought it was... Uh, I'm thinking of Hellboy. I'm thinking of uh, John heard but it was somebody else but anyway i if if you're a comic book fan i recommend this but it's it's quirky and different and weird and strange enough it's a little it's a dark horse comics puts it out and they're the ones that do bprd and hellboy and Witchfinder or um what else do they do there's a bunch of fucking they're the best comic company out there i think uh, for doing different and original stuff. You know, you have Marvel and you have um, DC, but of course they're flying on the same characters, doing the same thing. I mean, you know, I, I like some of their stuff too, and uh, but it's uh, Dark Horse, their stuff's original and uh, it's newer. The, the, the characters aren't worn out. And uh, the, a lot of the... Dark Horse. Now they have di- lots of different kinds of comics, but the ones that I like are like occult based. Uh, even the superhero stuff that's occult based. Uh, Lord Baltimore, or it's called Baltimore, but the character's Lord Baltimore is also another one that's cult based um, or occult. I'm sorry, but I recommend this one. Uh, some of you may have already watched it. Uh, check it out. Netflix can't lose uh, a movie that's coming out on Netflix that I would like to see that's coming out I think on the 29th is called The Highwaymen uh, this is directed by John Lee Hancock and it stars Her- uh, Harrison Ford Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson and uh, this is uh, a Bonnie and Clyde uh, movie uh, from the I think from what I could tell from the trailer from the uh, lawmen's side the the uh, the police that are assigned the Texas Rangers that are assigned to track down these uh, uh, mad dog killers, Bonnie and Clyde. They're going across Texas and fucking robbing banks and killing people. Uh, of course, you've seen the the movie with uh, Warren Beatty and um, Faye Dunaway, Gene Hackman, Michael J. Pollard, uh, and uh, Denver Pyle. Um, and that's a good movie, and I can see it it's an entertaining movie and it's told from the, of course the Bonnie and Clyde, their, their actual side of the story. If, you know, a, a fictionalized and, uh, uh, dramatic and entertaining look, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of it, this bullshit, but, and of course, you know, you got Warren Beatty's got a ton of charisma. Faye Dunaway is hot as hell. Who has a ton of charisma and Gene Hackman. Um, but that's a really good movie. I love it. And it's one of the first ultra violent movies. Uh, there with like the Wild Bunch and some of those other movies like that. 
Uh, but this one looks like it's going to be really good, and I like that they're doing that take from the uh, law enforcement side of things. They did a Bonnie and Clyde miniseries, and I know a lot of people watched it. And I remember going to like the dentist or going to um, the doctor's office or something, and these women are like talking about it, and they're like, "Oh my God, it was so good!" And everything. I, I like to check that out. My sister got me a um, a book by Blanche Barrow, who was married to Clyde's uh, brother Buck. And um, so it's a story that's been told. I think most, almost everybody without question, uh, when they think of Bonnie and Clyde, think of the Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway movie. It was so famous, so popular. But I do want to see this. I, and again, I, it, it comes out March 29th. I'm looking forward to uh, checking it out. Moving on. Uh, Under the Wire. This was the documentary about um, uh, Marie Colvin that I watched. And uh, I really like this one. And again, when I posted this, uh, people like kind of posted that uh, they didn't, they didn't like it, and they thought it was propaganda or whatever. And I didn't. I must be missing something uh, because I just didn't see it that way. And maybe it was because I was looking at it from her point of view and just looking more at it from her as a person, um, and not from the geopolitical who's right and who's wrong side of things uh, that she was covering. But I recommend this one, 2018. I got this on uh, Netflix, or not Netflix, iTunes for rent. I believe it was in, since that movie, uh, the theatrical movie came out with Rosamund Pike. They put this, the documentary out. And so I checked it out. I, I thought it was really good. I'd like to get on YouTube and look up some of her. Uh, I think she was maybe on 60 Minutes or something like that. Maybe look up some of the clips of her when she was actually reporting. Uh, King of New York from 1990. I got this on um, iTunes. I think it was a cheapie, maybe like 99 cents. I rented it. Um, this was directed by Abel Ferrara. Let me take a drink. I apologize to you. I'm rambling on. I hope this sounds good. Um, like I said, uh, I'm looking at the... Um, the little chart thing there as I'm speaking and it doesn't have the giant spikes that it did without the, the uh, kind of filter thing that I have over the microphone. But I, I did check it the other day and it looked the same and it sounded pretty good. So we'll have to see what happens when loaf runs it through his gadgets and posts it when he does his production. Um, Abel Ferrara, of course, uh, like several of his movies, including bad Lieutenant, uh, Miss Forty Five. What else did he do that I liked? Uh, the the um, the funeral. Uh, there's several movies. Uh, I never did see Drilla Killer. Uh, <laughs> let me look up old Abel. Um, I didn't see New Rose Hotel. I know El Goro was talking about that. I watched the one um, with Matthew Modine and Willem Dafoe. And I did not. That's the one where um, Asia Argento was French kissing the dog. She's a stripper, a uh, a uh, Rottweiler that she brings on stage with her. Fear City, I loved. Uh, totally recommend that um, sleazy movie, cop movie with Tom Berenger and Billy Dee Williams, and uh, what's her name from um, Melanie Griffith, Naked, a uh. lot. Uh, what's the other one I watched? That was the one with the strippers. Not New Rose Hotel. 
Dracula. God damn it, I know it's on here somewhere, you fucker. Go go tales. It wasn't it wasn't that good. It's worth a watch, but it's not that good. So you can miss it. But when she uh sticks her tongue out and that dog starts licking her tongue, I literally wanted to vomit. Uh, and I love my dogs, but <laughs> when I when if I let them lick me on like give me a kiss on the cheek or, or you know when they you know give you a little lick on the face, I do not stick my tongue out and uh, mingle. So anyway, Abel Ferreira, I like some of his stuff. Uh, he definitely has a um, a different take on things. A very gritty New York coke filled <laughs> fueled uh, uh, look. I want to see Pasolini, but Will uh, saw it, I think, at um, TIFF and said it wasn't even, he said, don't worry about missing that one. It's not very, and I don't even think it's available. I I haven't heard anything good about it, Uh, but I'd like to see it. Christopher Walken, David Crusoe, Lawrence Fishburne. We have uh, Wesley Snipes, Wesley, Wesley. Uh, Steve Buscemi, Buscemi. I have seen this before, and I will say it jumped up there because I remember watching it like in college. Was it college? No, it was after college. Well, it was only maybe a year after I graduated. But when I saw it, when it first came out on VHS, I was not impressed, and I did not think it was very good. Uh, And I held that stance. I even tried to watch it maybe once or twice, and I was like, man, this movie is not that, I don't know. I wanted it to be great. I like Christopher Walken. I loved him in The Deer Hunter, Dogs of War, just about everything he's in. This is before he started doing the character of Christopher Walken and everything like Pacino does and De Niro or whatever. But um, I watched it knowing more about like Abel Ferrara and uh, how he, being a New Yorker and how he sees New York and everything, and I liked it a lot more this time. I, I think I, I don't know what it is. I just saw it through that lens, saw it through the, you know, more uh, of my friends that really like it and everything. Uh, it's definitely still flawed, but it's fun to watch. And uh, like I said, if you like Abel Ferrara movies, um, it it definitely, you, you will like, I know some people absolutely love this movie. I think after I saw like uh, Bad Lieutenant, and some, and I'm trying to think what other movies that I saw. Maybe not necessarily Abel Ferrara movies, but gangster movies that were coming out at the time, and also Christopher Walken movies that I had seen before. Then when I watched this, I was like, man, I just can't get into this. I just don't. Compared to some of the other top-notch uh, gangster movies that were coming out around that time or that had come out before. I thought, ah, this is this is nowhere near as good. I'm still not sure that I look at it as like a fantastic or a great movie that I want to watch over and over and over. But it it went from for me from a, like a five to, you know, eh, maybe a seven. Uh, not even not a seven. I'm not going to go that far. But I did I did enjoy it. I probably will watch it again, and I want to watch some more of the other Abel Ferrara movies. Uh, also just to tell people i don't know if this is actually coming out it says uh, this was updated oh this was updated in 2017 so it may never come out i saw the other day i was looking that um, a movie called django lives was going to come out the renounced gunslinger fends off racism in 1914 america 
Uh, he's up in years, but still as deadly as ever. And the thing that caught my attention was I was looking up movies that were that uh, John Sayles, who uh, wrote and directed Mate One, uh, other movies that he had written, uh, and and, um, and this was on there. And I thought, oh shit, uh, it says filming in 2018. But I think Mike Malloy might have chimed in and said that they still. Uh, I don't even know if they've started or if he kind of said that he didn't think it was ever going to be done. I, I can't remember specifically what he said, but I thought it was actually being made at the time or that it had been made and it was going to come out soon. And I think the, for the comment that he kind of made was uh, they've been talking about this for a long time and that it probably, you know, my God, Franco Nero is now, how old is he now? Franco. Well, he was in... Uh, I'm surprised that somebody like Tarantino... Uh, he put him in uh, the other Django movie. Django! 77. Uh, he, still, he still might have uh, uh, some time left. So, yeah. Well, let's get that fucker done. Get her done. I had it worked with a guy when that fucking Larry the Cable guy was big to some people. And he would, he loved Larry the Cable Guy and would walk around going, get her done all the time. Oh, he's ought to be glad that I didn't have a baseball bat and get her done. Um, anyway, I watched 2018's I Am Vengeance or just Vengeance. If you look it up on IMDb and just put in Vengeance, it won't come up. Uh, this stars uh, Stu Bennett, a.k.a. Wade Barrett from the WWE who apparently at one time in his life was a bare-knuckle boxing champion in Europe. Big dude. Um, I could see him... Um, you know, a few years back when I started watching Dolph Lundgren movies, when Dolph started doing a lot of uh, straight-to-DVD movies, I was saying, you know, I think Dolph Lundgren's going to be the, the new... Uh, Charles Bronson, where, you know, he's making these movies. They're straight to DVD, but they're still entertaining. Some of them aren't that great. Some of them are good, and I'm entertained by watching them. I want to watch all the ones he puts out. Well, this uh, Stu Bennett, or Wade Barrett, um, I think that he could be that kind of a guy. He was in the WWE-produced movie, um, what was that called, with uh, Colin Farrell and Numi Rapace. He played a heavy in that, just like a, a henchman. Uh, that was called... Uh, where's it at? By God. Of course, now I'll never find the son of a bitch. Vengeance 2 is being made right now, or it is a post-production, so it's done. So he's going to play the same character of John Gold. And I'll watch it. I thought this one was pretty... I mean, again, this is one that is not a great movie, but for a straight-to-DVD movie, uh, action movie, I thought it was good. He's got a certain amount of... Not as much uh, a charisma that, you know, Dead Man Down is the one uh, with uh, Colin Farrell and Numi Rapace, which was a... a, a Okay, movie worth watching. Action movie. I like Colin Farrell. I like Numi Rapace. I like their chemistry together. But it wasn't great. It was an average, but a little bit better than average movie. Um, but this guy has more of a physical presence, and uh, he's kind of the strong, silent type kind of a guy. Um, when ex-soldier turned mercenary John Gold learns of the murder of his best friend, he sets off on a mission to find out what happened. Uh, what he discovers is a sinister conspiracy. And he sets out, uh, or sets a, a boat, a boot, 
uh, taking down those responsible. So that's pretty much a, a typical revenge movie. You know, ex-special forces, blah, 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 blah. There's this one chick in it that uh, is pretty entertaining that's like a heroin addict that kind of runs around with him and she's familiar with the baddies and she helps him. Uh, I'm trying to think what her name was. that Fleur Keith? Or I guess that would, would that be Flower? Fleur? Um, anyway, I'm not going to look her up because I want to get moving here. We've got a long way to go with these movies. We might not even be able to get them all in. I'm only an hour and a half, but I'm so fucking hungry right now. <laughs> I don't know if I have the energy to go all the way. I watched, uh, went to the theater and watched uh, Green Book from 2018, which won the Academy Award. Um, uh, directed by Peter Fairley, uh, the Fairley brothers, uh, who used to make some the you know kind of gross comedy movies. Uh, stars Viggo Mortensen and Maharashala Ali. Um, and of course, I think I may have talked about this before, but I watched it again. I actually bought it. I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I hate when Oscar time comes around and people start, uh, competing on which movie is, uh, has the better message or this movie shit because, you know, the thing I heard about this one was, oh, this is the movie about the magic Negro that, uh, you know, he does all this and that. <coughs> It's like driving Miss Daisy in reverse or the message that this movie gives is is shit compared to, you know, whatever. I'm trying to think what the other one was that everybody was, you know, amping up about that it was so much better. Than me. Uh, you know, I hate the contest thing. I, I kind of get into like the Marlon Brando or George C. Scott kind of a thing. Why is it got to be? It's not a race. It's not a contest. It's not uh, lifting weights or boxing or wrestling. Uh, my acting, oh, is so much better in this one. And so I give uh, so-and-so's a 10 and this person was only a, an 8 or a 9.75 or some shit like that. I enjoyed this. I thought it was entertaining. I love Vigo. I love everything he's in. Uh, Maharashala Ali I really liked him in this and I liked him in um, oh god damn what's the one oh, god damn now of course I can't spell his name type the fucker in oh why am I doing that when I can just click on his name um, I, love, I thought he was excellent in Cage I saw Benjamin Button I don't remember I remember him in the place uh, beyond the pines. Um, he played Ryan or uh, Ryan Gosling's uh, girlfriend's um, Eva Mendez's new man or husband. Um, now I will say this: I've liked him in everything I've seen him in, except one thing, and he wasn't bad in this. But one thing I wanted to talk about was True Detective season three. I probably have three more episodes of that to go, and I don't give a fuck if I even finish it. Um, I think it's boring as hell. And uh, season two was better than this one. Uh, I couldn't wait to, to see it. As soon as it came out to download, I downloaded The Son of a Bitch because I wanted to see it so bad because I like him and I thought it would be really good from what I've seen. It, it um, well, I don't want to tell you what it's about. Uh, it's based on a, the whole story is revolves around the true real life story that happened. And I'm very familiar with that. But I find it very boring. I don't think it's very good. So if you like it, that's fine. And uh, check it out uh, and, and form your own opinion, of course. Moonlight. I love that movie, Moonlight. I thought that was so good. Um, but I liked uh, Green Book. I've watched it uh, twice. I'll watch it again. I bought it. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was funny. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
in Kentucky. You know, I just, I, Vigo was funny as shit. I love the interaction between the two, um, the chemistry and everything. I thought it was really good. And, you know, if you didn't, uh, whatever. Uh, like I said, I don't want I don't want to get in an argument. Some people were vehemently, vehemently, vehemently posting this vitriol like this movie was the worst fucking movie ever made. It was a total piece of shit that they thought it was fucking complete and total garbage. And when I went th- when I went in the theater and watched it and when I walked out, I thought, oh, my God, I love that movie. It was so good. I can't wait to buy it and watch it again. And then, you know, hearing people come and like, like, uh, it would be like I watched a movie and then somebody comes and tells me that it's, you know, I don't know. Uh, everybody's got their own opinion and they're entitled to it. And I guess, you know, if they know, if they see things in a different way than me, that's fine. Uh, I was entertained and that's what it's a movie about entertainment. Uh, the Spike Lee movie is the one that, uh, um, the Black Klansman. I okay. I'll compare the two. I I like I love Spike Lee movies. I watched a couple that are on the list here. Um, I've seen many 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 Spike Lee movies and I love them. I thought The Black Klansman was. I just thought it was not very good at all. I don't even know if I would say it. It, it was just very average. I didn't. I thought Spike Lee. I'm so used to his movies and how he presents, you know, his characters and 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 his style and everything. And I thought that movie was, I didn't, I mean, I thought it was, I, if you would have, if I would have known that Spike Lee wrote it, I probably, I don't even, I mean, I would have thought it was like about on the level of like a fucking made for TV movie. And I didn't think it was that good at all i just didn't i did not see it um as far as if i was going to rate those two movies i would give black Klansman. now i only watched it one time but i was sitting there watching it and i was like really this is as good as we're getting here uh, i thought it was very a below average movie for him uh green book man i i was putting that up there like as far as entertaining me making me laugh and even the heartfelt stuff that i thought was in it and you know my god i was giving that probably like a nine and uh black Klansman, i was giving it maybe like a four and a half or something maybe close to a five but i don't even think i would watch that one again um i don't know uh i let me let me look up something here real quick. Okay, now I watched Do the Right Thing. Uh, it's on the list, so uh, I'm just looking up some other Spike Lee movies that I just think are great that totally, totally, totally blow away. Now, if you were going to give Spike Lee like one of those lifetime achievement oscars where you know okay we missed giving it to you for this and that and this and that and this and that um and give it to him for black Klansman. i wouldn't give it to him for black Klansman for how good the fucking movie was i maybe give him as like a lifetime achievement award for directing because of all the shit that he's done i thought school days was excellent do the right thing was a fucking great fucking movie I watched Mo Better Blues uh, this. I watched Do the Right Thing and Mo Better Blues both in the same night. 
First time I've ever seen Mo Better Blues. I thought it was really good. I don't think that one was like a 10 or a 9 or anything. It was maybe like a, a high 6 or a 7, but I thought it was really good. I liked Jungle Fever a lot. I thought Malcolm X was fantastic. Uh, Crooklyn, I watched, I think, with Loaf at, at Horror Hound or at a wrestling uh, show convention, and I thought that was excellent. I like Clockers. Uh, again, not a great movie, but I really liked it. I like Delroy Lindo in that and uh, Harvey Keitel. Uh, what else? Uh, um, Bamboozled, I thought was fan fucking tastic. I can't believe that it's not out on DVD, uh, so I can get it. He Got Game, I thought was really good. Um, not a, a 10 or anything like that, but I thought it was a really good movie. Summer of Sam, I thought was excellent about that time period, about what was going on, about racism, about New York City, everything that was going on at that time. I loved the music in it and everything. Again, Bamboozled, I thought was fucking excellent. Uh, what else do we have here? 25th Hour, I really liked um, with Ed Norton and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I thought that was a really good movie. Um, the Inside Man with Clive Owen, I thought that was a really good movie too. Uh, not the Not a... Um, Oh, oh, here's one that I thought was a total flop that I thought sucked. And I would put it on the level of Black Klansman was Miracle at uh, St. Anna. I thought that movie was fucking... That's the same way, because I expect so much from Spike Lee, from the movies he's done in the past that I watched. I'm like, man, that was so good. It was powerful, and it really... He had a great message and everything. Uh, Miracle at Santa Anna, when I watched that, I'm expecting Spike Lee, and I'm expecting it to be this, you know... Okay, I'm going to be dazzled, you know, because I like him as a director. And um, same thing with uh, Black Klansman. When I watched this one, I was like, really? You know, okay, this is not, you know, nowhere near up to par. And, of course, every, no, not everybody can hit. And you can't keep making the same movie. I think that um, Scorsese got in that thing with the gangster movie and playing his uh, favorite songs over the soundtrack. You know, uh, it, he, he's kind of got into that, doing that too much um old boy again that was one of those ones that was like did it really need to be done because it was basically a uh you know scene by scene page for page scene by scene remake of the original which was excellent it was good but it wasn't you know it it's like i I wish he would have done something different You, you only have so many days on earth and so many good movies in you and and i think the last few that he's been doing aren't living up to what i expect you know but you know fuck me you know whatever but again that's the only reason i brought up black klansman is because i you know so many people were comparing it to uh green book and saying you know basically uh, you know like you're a fucking idiot it, not i don't know they didn't say you're a fucking idiot but made you feel like you were a fucking idiot because you enjoyed the uh, green book and I because I enjoyed it and thought it was so good, and then people were like, "Oh, it was fucking shit. It was garbage. What they were saying, it's total fucking bullshit. Typical Hollywood. Blah 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 blah, and everything." <coughs> so whatever. That's a rant, I guess. And again, we're all entitled to our opinion. Uh, there's a couple movies I don't have to cover now: <laughs> Mo Better Blues and uh, um, the other one. <laughs> the right thing do the right thing is such a it's an iconic movie i could watch that one fucking over and over i want to watch bamboozled again and i would like to watch um i like jungle fever i thought that was good i like wesley snipes 
Uh, what was the other one? Crooklyn. I want to watch that one again, too. So that one almost made me cry. Uh, Deadly Affair, 1967. Uh, this is uh, Sidney Lumet, uh, written by uh, Jean Lacaille, and it stars James Mason and Maximilian Schell. And uh, this is basically George Smiley, even though they call him Charles Dobbs because of some copyright bullshit. Uh, it's George Smiley and uh, Anne Smiley and George being cuckold by Anne, uh, which that is one thing that makes him such an interest. Uh, Smiley such an interesting character is the relationship. It's like I was saying about uh, Lisbeth Salander and uh, Mickey Blomqvist. Um, one thing that really makes the George Smiley character so interesting is his relationship with his wife, uh, Anne, who is basically a fucking nymphomaniac. <laughs> and, uh, and he loves her, and he realizes, uh, you know, how she is. And uh, I don't know if it's a mental illness. I don't know if it's actually... I think it is actually like she is a nymphomaniac, and... She suffers from this compulsion and uh, uh, impulse poor, you know, impulse control, probably like a bipolar manic kind of a thing. And uh, but this also has Harry Andrews in it, uh, Roy Kinnear, uh, Lynn Redgrave. Who else is in this? Uh, lots of people. Corin Redgrave. Who else? Uh, but this is an excellent movie. I really enjoy it. I the only thing that I wish is that I wish that he could be George Smiley and it could be. Uh, you know, um, all the same names that are in the book, but it's the same fucking people, you know. Um, but anyway, I love uh, Jean Lacare movies. I love Sidney Lumet. And you can't go wrong with this one. This is a really good movie. Check it out. Dig it. Uh, True Detective, I already talked about that. You can watch it if you want to. I, uh, I guess I'll finish it sometime. Not in any kind of big hurry. Um... Last Holiday, this was a recommend on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Bring Class Trash, it's 1977. From 2006, somebody said, hey, I watched this movie with Queen Latifah, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, it stars Queen Latifah, LL Cool J, Timothy Hutton. Who else is in it? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, I like him. He is uh, an actor, you know, like John Ford would use John Wayne and his troupe, or Clint Eastwood would use the same people. Giancarlo Esposito uh, is used by Spike Lee quite a bit, and I really, I really like him as an actor. I would want to see more of his stuff too. Uh, Alicia Witt, who was uh, one of the people that was in uh, Law and Order: Criminal Intent, one of the uh, female detectives that they had for a few years there. They would have a different one every couple of years, and I think she's cute, a uh, little redhead. And Gerard Depardieu. And I want to watch some more of his stuff. Michael Nuri, too. Um, but I watched this, and it's a lighthearted, uh, you know, if you want to call it a chick flick. Um, it's worth a watch. I, The only thing, I thought Queen Latifah, for what it is, I thought that they everybody did a good job and everything. Now, if I was dating somebody, yeah, I could sit through this and watch it and everything. Especially after somebody on the group recommends it because, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I take what you guys or the people on GGTMC, uh, some of, the, of their suggestions. I actually do screen caps and stuff, and I'm like, okay, I want to see this. You know, I want to keep it in mind. Uh, so I, if I get a chance, I want to watch it. Um, 
But, you know, this is, like I said, kind of a chick flick thing. The only thing that I had, like, this is like a green book kind of a bitch session here about this movie is. Um, here's the synopsis. Upon learning of a terminal illness, a shy woman decides to sell off all her possessions and live it up at a posh European hotel. And the one thing, and of course this is me doing my um, Black Klansman versus Green Book uh, thing, is that um, if you found out you were dying uh, and you only had so many weeks or whatever to live, um, I guess it's a personal choice or whatever, but uh, like uh, material things or thrills would be the last thing that I would have on my mind. You know, I would, uh, things that are important would would be uh, what I would be more interested in and spending time with my friends and my family and even just, you know, being out in nature and seeing the world and seeing, you know, the trees and the seasons and things like that or the ocean one more time or whatever. Um, and this is kind of a thing where, like it says in the synopsis, she sells off all her stuff and goes to this, you know, super duper fancy hotel in Europe where all these really super rich people are staying and they don't know who she is and they're all trying to figure out who this woman is because nobody knows her and she's got all this money and everything. And, you know, um, so I don't know. Like I said, it's lighthearted. So I guess, you know, and uh, that's that's the kind of movie it is. It was worth a watch. Uh, I would have never watched it unless I was dating somebody and they dragged me to the theater and said, hey, let's go see this movie. Let's see where I am on the list because Jesus Christ, this is like fucking climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh my God. I'm only at the top of the first column. So let's go through these a little bit faster or maybe I'll do another show. I think I might just do another show because to be honest with you, I'm almost two hours in and I probably have probably 25 fucking more movies to talk about and i don't know if i have it in me to and i think it would be better to wait and just do another one i i can i might actually go and just uh, and do another one um sunday today is thursday and when i have another day off just go through the other ones uh like i said two hours in there's no reason to rush through the other ones because i'm getting more towards the newer ones which i'll remember more anyway uh, so we'll do the last two here. Uh, one is from 2011, and it's called Hick. And uh, this was directed by Derek Martini, and it stars Chloe Grace Moretz, Blake Lively, Rory Culkin, and what's his name? God damn it. Eddie Redmayne. Uh, basically, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, and Blake Lively are the main ones in it. And it also has Alec Baldwin in it. I recommend this movie. Um I'm not a big Blake Lively fan, and uh, when I watched this, I have seen it before, but when I watched it this time, uh, I thought she was excellent in this, and I thought it was a really fucking good movie, good story. Uh, it's based on a novel. Uh, Eddie Redmayne was excellent in this. Um, this may have been the first movie that I saw him in. Um, it is, okay, well, the synopsis. A Nebraska teen gets more uh, than she bargained for when she sets out uh, for the bright lights of Las Vegas. And this is a, you know, a teenage girl, uh, definitely, definitely underage. I don't know how old Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz was in this movie. Because shit, she ain't that old now. She is only now 22. 
and Hick was made in it's not unusual to see me cry will I want to die when was that fucker made 2011 okay well she's young <laughs> well this was made at the same around the same time that the uh, Texas Kilton Fields was made hmm dig it Chloe I want to see that movie that she made with um, Louis CK the Woody Allen movie um, she said she doesn't think that it should ever be shown um, Chloe Grace Moretz, a 13-year-old, troubled, mature girl. Okay. Uh, but she said she doesn't... Th after the whole Louis C.K. thing came out, she's saying now that she doesn't... She thinks that movie should be shelved and it should never be shown. But beforehand, Chloe, you were making a movie, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, Woody Allen fucking directed that movie and you didn't have any problem with that so i'm not exactly sure i mean it's a movie let me see that's is it woody allen? no i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i was thinking that that movie was directed by woody allen and it was louis starring louis ck john malkovich chloe grace moretz but it's actually directed by louis ck so okay i see your point now i was gonna say if she was comfortable with making a movie directed by woody allen why would she care you know about this but she's saying she doesn't think the movie should be released now i fucking want to see it it's a fucking movie and um uh, I know Louis C.K. might be a piece of shit uh, for stuff that he did or whatever, but I watch Woody Allen movies, and I think he's probably a fucking scumbag. And there's a lot of fucking scumbags, and there's some of them that I, I probably am more... I don't know. I watch fucking Powder and some of those fucking movies with that creep and uh, who's a child molester. So um, I guess, you know, Sammy and I a long time ago had a... I think we had a conversation about this and maybe it was even on the board i can't remember on the uh, gentleman's guide about separating the uh artist from the you know the art and you know you could enjoy this or that roman polanski i love his movies uh so anyway but hick i recommend this movie i thought it was really good and i think it's uh uh a good story and um about a girl and i, I i've known people like this all my life including uh my one ex-girlfriend's sister, um, you know, when they reach a certain age and they think they're mature and they're only like 13, 14 years old. In her case, I think maybe like 15, run away from home, hitchhike all the way to like fucking Los Angeles or Las Vegas. I can't remember where they hitchhiked to. And they were out there eating out of fucking dumpsters and stuff. And they just thought, oh, my God, you know, blah, 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 you know, get in with some fucking scumbag people and everything. Uh, it's kind of one of those deals, and uh, she runs across people that are way, way, way more mature than she is and uh, more complex, and not only that, but um, have th things in their past or under the surface that aren't what somebody her age should be even around or experiencing or... Um, <clears throat> Shouldn't even be involved with. Uh, but I, th I thought this was a really good movie. Hick from 2011. Check it out. It only has a 5.7 rating on uh, 
on uh, IMDb, but I, I thought this was really good. Uh, and I watched Leon the Professional from 1994, which, of course, you're all aware of and familiar with, with Jean Renault, Gary Oldman, and Natalie Portman. Uh, I think everybody in our group has probably watched this movie a million times. Danny Aiello is also in this. Uh, Willie Oneblood. Uh, I wondered who this guy was. He was one of Stansfield's uh, henchmen, who was Gary Oldman. Uh, I'll see, I guess this guy's like a DEA cop or whatever. But he's the white guy with the dreadlocks. Willie Oneblood. And who? what else was he in? Joe's Apartment, Dumb and Dumber. What, what's his deal? He's got to be something other than, unless he's dead, unless he died or something. Willie Oneblood. What was he in? Is he a singer or something? Willie Oneblood. He is an actor known for Leon the Professional, Joe's Apartment, and Dumb and Dumber. Trivia. His character was listed in the script and credits only as First Stansfield Man. However, he is referred to in, uh, by his stage name of Willie Blood. Gary Oldman based the character of Drexel in Tony Scott's True Romance on Willie Oneblood. Uh, he is an accomplished real estate broker based in Miami, Florida, president and co-creator of MC Square Reality. So I don't know who the fuck the fucker is, but you know, for some reason he's been in a couple of movies and you know, <laughs> anytime you see a white dude with blonde hair with dreadlocks, it just is, you know, it definitely sticks in your brain. Uh, Leon the Professional, I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I may have said this on the show before. I had a poster of uh, Leon the Professional up on my wall in college. Uh, this is uh, probably the first movie Natalie Portman was ever in. She's a little kid in this. Uh, Luc Besson, who I uh, believe for some reason I'm thinking maybe he, it's come out recently that he's a piece of shit. I know that I think he was screwing Mila Jovovich uh, when she was probably like very underage and um, they got married and he was fat and sweaty and she was very young and cute. Personal life. What do we have going on here with this cocksucker? Oh my God, I'm fucking, I can't even concentrate. I'm so hungry right now. Da, 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 da. Didi, didi, didi. Luc Besson was married four times. First two, actress wife who starred in Nikita. And his second wife, he started dating when he was 31 and she was 15. Well, that's nice. Her name is Maywen Lebesco. Uh, he married her in 1992 when she was 16. And they had dated since she was 15. Uh, their marriage ended in 1997. Okay, wait, 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 what's this here? Lupesco later claimed that their relationship uh, inspired Besson's uh, Leon, uh, the professional, where the plot involved an emotional relationship between an adult man and a 12-year-old girl. Uh, their marriage ended in 1997 when Besson came involved with actress Mila Jovovich during the filming of Fifth Element. Okay, I was thinking that he was screwing her when she was underage too but i do know i remember reading on her because uh, i was always a big fan of hers uh, when she was younger and played lilu and all that stuff um that she was involved with because she was in modeling when she was really super young and um that uh she admitted that she was involved in like intimate or whatever sexual relationships with these older men 
that hung around modeling and she was definitely underage and her thing was that she didn't regret any of it uh that she blah 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 and i thought that was you know i was like well listen you know you're you're you weren't old enough to be in that situation or to to even make those decisions and everything of course that you know they have a thing where when you're in modeling or whatever and it's the art art you know the artsy crowd and then you're in europe and the age thing is different in europe and everything and i'm like listen if you're i don't give a fuck I'll, I'll just say this right straight up if you're 30 some years old and you're interested in a 15 year old girl you're a fucking piece of shit um i walked away from a couple of different situations and i was in my say mid to mid i don't know mid 20s to god i know one time because where i was working eh, maybe not i might have been close to 30 but a couple of different occasions where i was maybe like 25 to 30 and had girls that were like 15 years old that lived in my apartment building and another one that snuck into a bar that i was hanging out and working at and dude you walk away from that shit i mean there's and i've i've heard people say you know about going to bars especially in college towns where high school girls will sneak in with a false id and stuff like that okay if you don't know then you know as soon as you find out that's it and if you don't and you're still in kind of a bad spot because that's what happened to fucking jake lamotta but when a girl tells you that she's 15 fucking years old or you know she's that old and she starts telling you, you know, oh my God, I think about you all the time, blah, 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 and all this and that, and I want to have sex with you or whatever, you fucking get the fuck out of there, you know. And if you don't, you're a piece of shit. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care if you're European. I don't care if you're fucking Doolittle Lynn and Coalbiner's daughter and he was in the army and all this shit and probably had to have been in his 20s and was screwing Loretta Lynn and she was 12 fucking years old or however old she was or whatever. That's fucking bullshit. I, you even look at a girl like that, they're a kid. They're a little kid, okay? I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, there's nothing in their brain. Um, they're, not in, they're not mature enough. Uh, I, I don't even want to have a fucking conversation about anything except maybe talking about fucking a movie or or, you know, hey, how are you doing? Or what kind of music you like? Or something like that. But you don't have any... There's the, the, the maturity level is so off, it would be like... It's just disgusting. And so those guys, whether it's Woody Allen, Luke Basson, um, uh, whoever else, I mean, you know, uh, you're you're making excuses and you're walking that... You're trying to walk that fucking fine line. And the thing with... Um, here recently with his, whether it's Michael Jackson or or these people uh, uh whether it's uh, Hollywood you read about like Jimmy Page and these guys having sex with these uh baby groupies I've talked about this I think on the show before of uh, having sex with the baby groupies Luke Besson them saying he was having a relationship with this 15 year old when he was 31 got her pregnant and all this and that Ted Nugent asking this this girl's uh parents if he could fucking become her legal guardian so he could fuck her uh, and stuff like that. The parents that 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 allow that to happen, society. I know people today. I have a friend that will sit there and uh, if if a thing comes up on the local news about uh, a plumber or somebody that lives in or, or in the in the area in the county or in the, the tri county area or whatever, and they catch him for um, 
having sex with a, a underage girl. He'll say, fucking string them up. I'll fucking give them the electric chair. Bash their goddamn heads in with a fucking baseball bat. Put them in prison where they'll get fucking raped and murdered. And blah, 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 blah. But he's a huge fan of Michael Jackson, and he will defend him till the till the end. And he loves Jimmy Page. And I've, I said, uh, you know, you, you read about the baby groupies, and these girls are like 14 fucking years old, and these guys know how old they are, and they take them on the road with them, and their parents don't even know where they're at, and they're fucking them. That's a fucking child molester. And you're giving, you're turning a blind eye because you like the way he plays a guitar. Or you're turning a blind eye because you like how he moonwalks and you think he's a brilliant artist. Or Roman Polanski, you're turning a blind eye. I think Roman Polanski, if he gave that girl fucking uh, 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 roofies or uh, some kind of pills or whatever, and then he fucked her and, and all that shit, he's a piece of shit. I like his fucking movies, but he's a piece of shit. And I'll say he's a fucking piece of shit. Michael Jackson, fucking, if he did what he did, he's a piece of shit. Jimmy Page, if he did what he did, was a piece of shit. David Bowie, any of them, that uh, these guys, these wrestlers, Jerry Lawler and some of these ones that they've caught, Art Barr, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones that they've caught with underage girls or underage boys, the ones that were screwing the boys that they would have set up the ring. You're a fucking child molester. If you're attracted to an underage kid, you're a fucking child molester. You may not be a pe- pedophile as under, you know, before they hit puberty. That's even worse, but still, you know, and the, the fucking, I don't know. I'm going off on a rant because of the lupus on thing I just read to me. Um, so anyway, I'm going to get off here. I'm trying to think. I don't have the, let me, let me bring this up because he took the time to send us in some feedback and I need, I want to, I know, let's see here, where's Gmail? Gotta get my Sylvan Gold podcast. Uh. Okay, yeah, dee dee. Dr. Zom doing a show. He's so stupid and so slow. Silver and gold. Alrighty, next. Do we have a password for this motherfucker? I need to get a new keyboard. This keyboard has been used so much that the goddamn fucking letters and shit are fucking getting rubbed off. Uh, Let's see here. I think I sent myself a voicemail. That's funny. Okay, this is from Miguel. And I already read it because when I was going to do the show last time. Okay, from Miguel. Uh, okay, Zom. So you're pro- so you probably I know you are a baseball fan or maybe Lofiz. I think both of us. Uh, I don't watch it as regular as I used to. Lof watches it. He's a big Red Sox fan. I'm a Pittsburgh Pirate fan. Been a Pittsburgh Pirate fan since I was a little kid. Uh, uh, it's like a family thing. Uh, my favorite player was uh, Manny Sanguian. And Steve Blass, and um, uh, of course, like Roberto Clemente is like a patron saint in in our household. Uh, to like my my fucking sister, or, you know, my uncles and everybody. Um, yeah, are, okay. So you probably know the term uh, the Mendoza line. It's a slang or shorthand for hitting 200, the threshold for what a lot of people think you need uh, in a batting average to stay in the major leagues. Well. That's 
still pretty fucking low. I think, I mean, if you're not, uh, to me, you know, I, I and I know like there were some uh, catchers and stuff like that that are really good at, at their position uh, that would maybe hit around and, and being a catcher, you're, you're squatting down all the time and you're fucking tired and you're stiff and all that shit and everything. But, you know, hitting like that, but um, God damn. For it, it, my mentality was always, I mean, 300 is good. Of course, 400 is great. That's, you know, Ted Williams and Ty Cobb area. Um, 300 is real is you're going to, you're going to be in the game. Um, to me, anything in the major leagues and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm a hard ass. Anything under 250 is, you know, you're, you're, you better be good at playing shortstop or outfield or something like that. Uh, really exceptional is stealing bases and stuff like that to carry between a 200 and say 230 on a regular basis and still be in the show. <laughs> I know the terminology. Okay, so anyway, uh, he says, um, let's see, the threshold for what people think you need to you know, stay in the major leagues. Uh, on the last podcast, you mentioned uh, that you bought a copy of Sicario, The Day of the Soldado, on DVD at Walmart for two bucks. And that was at Christmas when they have like these big displays and they have everything marked down just incredibly low. Uh, you also said that you did not like the movie very much. And I think the point, one of the points that he's making is I, I want, I, I like Sicario. Couldn't wait for Sicario, the day of the soldado to come out, went to see it in the theater and I was really disappointed. But that said, when I saw, uh, Sicario day of the soldado at Walmart for only two bucks, I was still fucking went ahead and bought it, even though I didn't like it. Okay. So that's one of the, the, the point I think he's trying to make. Um, or, you know, I don't know why I'm explaining. <laughs> Clearly, there were probably other movies at Walmart uh, that day priced at $2 that you passed on. What's the movie uh, that you would that would be your threshold uh, for buying a $2 at Walmart, a.k.a. your own Mendoza line, for purchasing the $2 DVD at Walmart, a.k.a. the worst movie you think that you would spend uh, $2 on? Uh, also, try and name a movie that you would come close to buying for $2 but ultimately would pass on. Um Hope this makes sense and it's not too hard or confusing. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, to be honest with you, at two bucks, two bucks is so fucking low that I would buy straight to DVD features that look like shit if it was two bucks because I'm not. It's like I'm not out anything. It's like uh, if if you fucking if they were a quarter, you know, I'd go buy. And the reason I bought Sicario Day of Soldado is okay. Number one, I like Josh Brolin. I like Catherine Keener and also um, Benny the Bull. And um, the movie, the way it looks and everything, it's shot well and it's acted well. I just thought the story was really kind of crappy. And then and comparing it to the first one with Emily Blunt, I thought it just lacked in comparison big time. And there's a lot of people that, that said, man, I'm glad that Emily Blunt wasn't in this and that they could just get down to the badass shit with, uh, and concentrate on Benicio del Toro and, uh, Josh Brolin's character. To be honest with you, I, th I, I liked the dynamic that Emily Blunt brought to the movie. 
uh, yeah, you want to have the two badass guys or whatever uh, that are uh, kind of working on the dark side or, or walking that fine line. But you, you need to have that baby face. You need to have that innocent person or that person that you're seeing it through their eyes and, you know, like, what the fuck? And, you know, oh, my God, do I want to go along with this? I thought she added a lot to it and also her incredibly fine fucking ass. Uh, that's very sexist, but she is, oh, she's, woo. Anyway, okay. So anyway, um, there's not much that I would not buy for two bucks. Uh, and that even includes Mark Wahlberg movies. That includes Paris, Texas, which I thought was so boring. Uh, there are movies like Paris, Texas, because of uh, Vim Vendors uh, being such a great um, auteur. I would still probably buy that for two bucks, even though I could barely get through the fucking movie because I thought it was boring as hell. Um, there's not too much that I wouldn't buy for two bucks. And that includes fucking porn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, that's not saying anything. Uh, but for two bucks, I'm trying to think if there's anything that really, like an actor that I fucking hate. I don't like Mark Wahlberg, but I would buy like a shitty fucking Mark Wahlberg movie. Uh, Vin Diesel. Okay. I think we may have hit Fast and the Furious movies. If somebody said, okay, there's the, here's the movie Fast and the Furious, the original one with Vin Diesel. And it's two bucks. I would not buy it. I fucking did not like that movie. I don't really like him. Um, so we may have found uh, my Mendoza line. <laughs> um, now, the ones with The Rock and Jason Statham, I would buy those. Because even though the uh, the, the fucking CGI car shit and how it defies the laws of physics and stuff like that, I probably would still buy, but man, Vin Diesel, man, he gets under my skin with his tough guy fucking bullshit. And like him going toe to toe, fucking punching out with the rock and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, Vin Diesel was probably it. Now, I'm trying to think if there's any Vin Diesel movies. Now, I said I was going to get off here and, and I'm fucking getting into something else. Vin Diesel. Um, hmm, he just is obnoxious to me. I don't know. Uh, Triple X. Now, see, Triple X, I didn't mind him in Triple X. The first one with Asia Argento. It was stupid and it was bad. Uh, I went to see it with my mom because there was nothing else playing. And she said, I don't give a fuck. Let's go see it. Um, and I like the comic book Bloodshot. And he's playing Bloodshot. So maybe that'll be good. And like I said, Triple X, I didn't mind that that much. Um, the... Um, I did not see Triple X Return of Xander Cage because I think it's ridiculous that Vin Diesel, I believe, is is, is like the same age as me. He might not be that old. Vin Diesel is, uh, yeah, he's like a maybe like a year and a half younger than me, and he's playing like this uh, skateboard fucking uh, what do you call it, uh, adrenaline junkie X Games guy still. Give me a fucking break, dude. Uh, go play something else. Triple uh, X, you're skateboarding and shit. I mean, I don't give a fuck. That's stupid. I don't even want to see that. I wouldn't buy that one for two bucks. I might watch it if it was on Netflix for free. Uh, Vin Diesel is my Mendoza line. I will have to pose that question to Loaf to see what he says. Because <laughs> I think that's an interesting question. Um, and I might even post... 
I'm, I'll send it to him. Um, and hopefully we'll get him on here shortly. Maybe Sunday we can uh, cover, do another show. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to get off here for now. Uh, and like I said, um, and if we, if I do do another one Sunday, which is, let's see, I said like today's Thursday and I have the day off and I feel like doing it and not doing anything else. Uh, we won't put them out back to back. We'll wait a couple weeks and put the, put the other one out. So, so people have time to absorb this one. We're on almost two hours and 20 minutes here, but thanks for the, uh, the, uh, email Miguel. Let's see. I don't think anybody else said anything else in. Oh yes, he did. God damn it. <laughs> I'll save the next one. Uh, Miguel sent uh, a another question, and I'm going to save that one for the next show. Okay? And this is Dr. Zom from Zomania, and uh, we'll see how, hopefully, I did not do this all for nothing, and the mic and everything's picking all this up. Let us know uh, how you, um, how the, everything sounds, if you think it sounds better, if you think it sounds worse, if it sounds the same. Uh, definitely send in your questions if you have any to um, Silva, Silva Gold Podcast at gmail.com. And that's just Silva Gold Podcast at gmail.com. So it's not Silva and Gold, Silva Gold Podcast at gmail.com. And we still have our phone number, which is 206 339 1600. And uh, anyway, I'm going to sign off. I need to go to Walmart and pick up a couple of prescriptions so I don't drop dead of a heart attack. And I'll see you on the flip side. Song.